Welcome to Minilive Podcast IMAs. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And yeah. welcome to our new channel, yeah. First Cut. Yo, this is that? the channel where you're going to find not only the meaning of podcasts, but more content for me and Robert. Yeah. Uh, we are bringing you new videos, new ideas, new beginnings, all in 2019, 2019. right here in First Cut. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and yeah. support the homies. Hashtag support the homies. Hashtag man. support the homies. Support First Cut and also the SoundCloud as well. We're on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. So SoundCloud listeners, uh, we already have something like 100 uh, plays in there. We haven't really, really? promoted it. Yeah, that's uh, great, man. I had the little hashtags at on, on a lot of episodes. So yeah. like the Harry Potter episode has like hashtag Harry Potter, hashtag Harry Potter ah. books, hashtag you know. I mean, so I think it some random you know strays are like. But, you know, we have 66 episodes, so it's like one play per episode. But sure. Sure, we're, we're getting it. We're, That's we're awesome. Back. 2019, man, it's our year. Yeah. We're doing it big. We're doing it new. First cut. Yeah. First cut. First cut of the channel. Uh, and, oh, of, of course, we have to welcome the Collider Factory audience. Oh, that's right. Uh, we're to, on Collider Factory. Yeah, we're on Collider Factory for the first time uh, ever. Um, so thank you guys for, uh, hopefully a lot of you guys came from the Schmoes Know uh, iTunes feed. A lot of our fans were originally on there. I know making the transition is hard, but a lot of it, or most fans are fans of Collider. And if you're just fans of this podcast, I hope you listen to the Adam McKay episode and know to come over. <laughs> or if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a new listener, yes, welcome. Welcome uh, to our top 10 of 2018. This yeah. is going to be a fun list i uh i've been doing this uh we, i used to do this with uh the wangers and jte yeah we, and yeah. then with you mm-hmm. and now it's just you and me doing the top 10 list but uh every year it's always a lot of fun they, yeah we split yeah there was a there's a lot of divide yeah uh, we i the, my first year i was the intern with with, with the schmoes we did we all did it together that's right um the year two just like all fizzled away we all fizzled away man <laughs> we're all on our own vibe riding our own waves yeah 2019, we're going to be talking about the years of 2018, our top 10 list of 2018. Mm. Now, 2018 was definitely an interesting year for movies, to say the least. I would say when it comes to certain award-type movies, I was somewhat disappointed as far as what 2018 brought. Obviously, we're going to get more into it when we talk about our favorites of the year. Um, But once again, guys, we're going to be going down our our top 10 of the year. So if some of your favorite movies of the year are not on on this list, or if some of your favorite movies that you feel should be on our list is not on the list it's okay you can still join in on the conversation let us know what is your favorite let us know what you think of our list Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the exact same everything is fine and joyful in 2019 let's bring the peace and positivity but either way we're still going to get into it as far as what our favorites are as far as what we consider to be quality films and what we consider to be our most impactful top 10 movies of 2018 yeah Every year, it's a lot of fun, RB3. What do you think of the year in total? The year in review? I yeah. mean, honestly, bro, like, I'm not going to lie. The, the, a lot of the big movies mm-hmm. didn't really do it for me. And a lot of the smaller movies didn't really do it for me either. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like a lot of times it's easier to say, like, oh, this is the most disappointing year. This is the most disappointing year. But I think this was genuinely the year that I didn't have, like, a one standout movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, usually there's... Usually in a year, most of the time, I'll have that one movie that's just like, that's it. That's the number one 
Like, that's just locked in place, you know? And sometimes it'll happen as early as, you know, uh, for me last year, it was as early as January with Dunkirk. That was, like, as soon as I saw that movie, I'm like... That came out in January? Not January, I'm sorry, July. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, another month that starts with a J. Um, but July, when it came out in July, halfway through the year, I was like, okay, that's number one. Sure. And everything else is competing with that, you know? With this year, I literally had just 10 movies that I was like, okay, these are what I'd consider the 10 best. I don't really know where to put them because... yeah. There's just they're all kind of they're all good to 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 their own standard, but and and to me it's like yeah I wish there was a little there was there was you know we didn't get that like standout like mm. unique like you know we didn't get like a Charlie Kaufman film or we didn't get like a you know something like weird or different everything like all of the movies kind of felt. You know, I guess there there were weird and different movies. Sure. Maybe I just didn't catch them. Yeah, um, you mean you mean like an indie movie that had like a crazy perspective. yeah, had, had had had, and I think you know some of the movies that I'm recognizing, I think do, and there are plenty of movies that I haven't seen that are probably super unique and super uh, weird and interesting. But I feel like the time period that we are in now, like historically, just in America and American cinema, all these film, like all, a lot of films, have to feel like very very stressful that you know the the film mm. the the film landscape in general i feel like the film landscape the stories that are being told in 2018 are a lot more stressful a lot more intense than i feel like a lot of movies that we've seen in previous years so it's it's a different kind of energy i feel like just in this whole year in general you know and i think i'm, I'm saying that and it's not making a lot of sense now but when i start talking about the movies that i have picked like it'll all make sense to exactly what i mean like these movies are all very much about something very prevalent. You know what I mean? Interesting. So, but I just feel like that's what the overall thing is. Whereas I feel like in previous years, like we had the we had the La La Land versus the Moonlight. Like we had the mm. super bright and optimistic film versus the realistic thing. You know, even last year we had Shape of Water, which was a little lighter, um, versus uh, uh, what was the big other film last year? Um, Get Out. Get Out. Yeah, which was a, a more serious kind of thing. But again, both both. You know, they both in, encapsulated what the times were, and I sure. feel like we're headed towards a time that we're, our films are going to get a lot more stressful and a lot more, I guess, relevant, okay. <laughs> to say the least. For sure, man. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your list. I mean, every year we we always have interesting opinions, to say the least. Yeah, and I, see, this is also like I also have a tough time with doing these lists because yeah. it's like, like. I haven't seen all of the movies in 2018, so it's hard for sure. me to say, like, I've seen these are the definitive sure. 10 movies that are the top of 2018, you yeah. know? Um, and I always have a hard time with, grappling with that because, it's like, I know I know for a fact it happens every single year. I put out a top 10 list, and then I'll see another movie, like, in August of, like, 2019 that came out in 20, 2018 that was just amazing and blows my mind. I'm like, damn, that if I would have saw that earlier, it would have been on the list, sure. you know? Um and it's I like I recently Seth Rogen had this tweet where he said like the Oscars should wait five years before they hand the Best Picture award to somebody, and it was kind of a joke, but I kind of think that's like kind of a good idea almost, you know, because like yeah. it really gives a film time to like really sit in people's minds and really resonate in the, in, in that kind of way. So sure, um, please tell me you at least have a top ten list. I do, have a, I do have a top ten list. <laughs> do you yeah. have honorable mentions? Because let's start with mentions. that. Let's yeah. start with your honorable mentions. RB3. Honorable mentions. I have a these are the movies that almost made your list, but. Didn't quite make it. Yeah, I have a fat fat pile of of, of fat pile of, of honorable mentions. Uh, yeah, I got to go. Uh, uh, Tully was was an early one I saw in the year that was really great. Charlize Theron ending was kind of stupid, but 
really great acting and, and Jason Reitman, you know, direction. Uh, Sorry to Bother You was was also an, a, a very good honorable mention for me. Boost Riley, Ponda Clinic. We saw that uh, together. We did see that together. Yeah. 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 Uh, first Man, Ryan Gosling, great job. Uh, Damien Giselle. Uh, I know you weren't too keen on it. A lot of people really weren't too keen on it. Um, I didn't think it was bad. I just mm, thought it was okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was okay. I thought it was. I thought it was well done, and um, you know, much respect to to Damien Giselle for breaking out of the musical genre. You know, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Instant Family. Instant Family. Uh, with Mark Wahlberg. What are you, what are you shaking your head for, man? I, I just, I, I can't, man. I can't. Bro. I can't get into that. Tra- Every time I see that trailer, I'm like, how is this good? <laughs> okay, like, you think that? Yeah. Then you watch this movie, man. That's what people keep saying. Yeah. That's what I said about Searching. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to watch that movie. And then I was like, fine, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, just because I was like, a laptop movie? That yeah. sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, Modern Family already did that before yeah. that yeah, one. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I, I actually haven't seen Searching. So um, I also have a whole list of movies that I haven't seen that could, pro- you know, probably oh, go. make this list. Let too. us know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Instant Family also honorable mention. Vice is an honorable mention. Uh, Three Identical Strangers, one of the best documentaries of the year. Um, I also missed it. And oh man, if there was a number eleven spot, this one I really grappled with with, with not getting on the list. Man, this one was real tough to leave off. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Mission Impossible Dang, Fallout was, was didn't was make right your top there. ten. It was almost Yo, there, man. It was almost there. That's controversial yeah. off the bat. That RB3. was almost there. It was that almost there. That top ten better be fire, man. It was almost there. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of movies that I haven't seen yet that like probably would make the list if I seen them. Um, Won't you be my neighbor? Another documentary. Uh, uh, RB R, RGB. You know about Ruth Gator. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Where, yeah, there, that, that, there we yeah. go. Um, Shoplifters, I, I, I really wanted to see. Um, Bernie, I also wanted to see uh, the foreign cinema. I'm not I giving want to see Bernie respect. so bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leave No Trace, I, I also, I, I started watching that on, on Amazon, but I didn't get a chance to finish it. Mid-90s, I didn't watch either. Respect to Jonah Hill, but uh, did you see Mid-90s? I didn't. Oh, okay, okay. I just, mm, I'm good. <laughs> right, 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 right. I liked him because he he went on all like the complex shows and like sneaker oh, that's shopping. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> he, right. He, he put on the black accent for like for like the, he did the Tarantino thing where he started acting black and black <laughs> on black shows. Like, uh, yeah, man, I love hip hop. This has been my entire life. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, those are my honorable mentions and those are movies that I haven't seen. Copy. But yeah, good what, deal, man. Yeah. yeah, honorable mentions for me. Uh, again, sorry to bother you. Sorry that's to bother a, you. That's oh, a, okay, I, I thought for sure I'd make your list. You know what's funny, man? I yeah. I, I told you. I told you mm-hmm. after we saw the movie together. I said half the first half of this movie is like my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. That twist, which mm-hmm. I guess I won't. The horse, speak, a lot. Oh, a lot of people yeah. haven't seen it, but you already kind of spo- spoiled it. <laughs> but I mean, if you haven't seen it, come on now. You're yeah. kind of late. But that twist, so it just it. It, it just took me out. It took, <laughs> it, immediately, I was like, this is my favorite movie of the year. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is like the editing. It's funny. It's like political. Mm-hmm. It's in your face. It's so different. It's new. It's fresh. And then I was like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is this? I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I get it, but it's, it's too much. It's mm-hmm. too much for me. Almost made my top 10, though. I can't lie. Like, I still almost put it in my top 10 just because there's not mm-hmm. a lot of other movies. Right. Um, I loved Upgrade. I think Upgrade oh, is okay, a really fun. good yeah. sci-fi, low-budget action, action, action movie. A super cool shot movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some of the best action scenes, and it's so low-budget. I love how yeah. low-budget cyberpunk it is. Yeah. It's one, compared to something like 2049, which costs like $200 million. Mm-hmm. You see, Way better than 2049. I don't know about that, but you <laughs> see the, the difference between like a $200 million cyberpunk movie and like a 16 million dollar cyberpunk movie and i i I think the creativity 
that Lee is it Lee Winnell? Lee Lee, yeah. Lee Winnell? Uh, James Wan's uh, uh, collaborator. Yeah, the the creativity that he used with a low budget is just something that should be commended, and mm-hmm. he should be giving even more movies in right. the future because right. that to me was an impressive movie, um, to say the least. Uh, and I can't lie, man. Uh, I saw Won't You Be My Neighbor. It's a great yeah. one. It almost made my top ten. Made it. Yeah, it's difficult for documentaries to make my top ten. Yeah. Uh, and I can't lie, I almost put Aquaman in my top ten. Aquaman. All right, I almost well, well, put we Aquaman in my talk, top we ten. Haven't, we haven't even, we haven't even about, started, man. We haven't even talked about. Aquaman. We haven't talked about Aquaman at but all. I loved Aquaman. I thought yeah. it was sick. Okay. I thought it was such a dope, fun. Obviously, it's not like a serious Dark Knight. It's not. It's a yeah. super. Big over the top superhero movie, and yeah. I think it's done the best that it's been done in a while. Yeah, compared to other fun superhero movies that people like a lot, and that I don't get why people like. I, Venom. I, Venom is an example because <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. I was talking to my homie over the weekend. How can you like Venom but not like Aquaman? Because <laughs> Venom is like it's silly, dumb, fun, and I'm like it's just dumb. Whereas Aquaman is like that's fun. That to me was like a ride where everything was like a visual spectacle. Yeah, the, like you take it in with your eyes, and the story is kind of just a s- super by the numbers. The yeah, it's so it's it's overdone. It's overplayed, but it's just it's done to be entertaining, and that's what I felt with Aquaman, and that's yeah. why I almost made my top ten. Uh, that's fun. that's funny, man. Yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah, I mean. I, again, like I like, I like, I actually like Aquaman. I didn't say it on this podcast, but uh, yeah, I think it's just the, the weirdness of it is definitely worth commending. Like mm. in terms of like weird blockbusters, that's the closest. You know, there's always that every year we have like the Valerian or the one like really off kilter yeah. uh, sci-fi movie. Leave it to James um, Wan to do it, man. Yeah, and it was a DC movie too, so it was it was a nice combination of that. Yeah. Um, now so, let's yeah. get to uh, our top ten list, starting with. Number 10, I will start with you, RB3, on your number 10. My number 10. Mr. RB3. Um, yeah, my number 10 starts with a lot of people's number ones, man, honestly. Uh, and I listened to the Wanger show, and almost all these guys had had their had this at their number one. Uh, that's Hereditary. Um, Hereditary. You finally saw it. I finally saw it. I've been it. telling you for months to see this movie, man. Yeah, yeah. You I must finally have the courage. saw it. I must have the courage. It got, when it became free on Amazon Prime, yep. I was like, all right, like, yeah. No more excuses, you know? Uh, so I, I sat there, waited to the darkest of nights, 2, 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, to really, really, really enjoy really see what this is all about. Didn't watch it on the TV, though, because I knew it was going to be, like, way too scary for that. Made sure I got a nice laptop uh, <laughs> to to really tamper th- down <laughs> That's the scares. perfect, dude. That's um, perfect. Yeah, it was, it was great, man. I think for horror movies, it's really challenging to make a genuinely good story along with uh, setting that kind of atmosphere, mm. um, along with having uh, a mythology as well. Like this movie has a very clear mythology that is adapting with like the paganism and all that stuff. Yeah, the uh, demon shit. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't mess with that demon shit, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the whole the whole time I was watching that movie. That's what I kept repeating. Yeah, I was like those don't, candles and all that shit. Don't, yeah. don't go. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Don't like, write those symbols. If you yeah. see them symbols, you run away. <laughs> yeah, read some like Latin language yeah, and shit. Like, that's when you that's when you back doing? off. Yeah, You're yeah. Like, I'm mm, chilling on that. I ain't messing with no demons. Nah, hell nah. Uh, so that so and so all of that was great, but. It's also horror from like the psychological standpoint mm. too, right? Like that's why I love the movie The Babadook. That's one of my favorite horror movies because that movie is all. And same thing with The Shining. Those movies are all about the internalized horror, like from inside, the mentally disturbed externalizing itself unto. Um, and in both in all of these cases, children, right? 
Um, and I and I think that's what makes it even more horrifying. So yeah, Ari um, Aster, man, is is a director to look out for. The fact that that's his first feature. That's his first feature film, man. I mean that that's when you know this guy has talent. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about it uh, the other the other day because I was talking to my friends about one of the what are the best shot movies of the year mm. as far as cinematography. To me, that one's up there. All I mean, right, consi- definitely, yeah. Considering it's got such a low budget and it's not like this massive like. $200 million, like Blade Runner 2049 type crazy shot movie. Yeah. It's just a small, low-budget horror movie, and it's one of the best shot movies of the year. Just thinking just thinking about creating atmosphere, like you just said, mm-hmm. that's like the most important thing in a horror movie, mm-hmm. and he did that like right at the first scene where you, yeah. when you go to the miniaturized. Yeah, into the house. Yeah, into the house. Yeah, you're I, like, man, this I is even, cool. Yeah, that's, even when I saw that, I was like, damn, this is the first, even just from the opening shot, I was like, mm-hmm. this is a first time director? Like, yeah. That's crazy. He's uh, got talent, man. Yeah, yeah. So very, very well done on that front. Speaking of first time directors, okay. my number 10 is from a first time director as well. And it's someone that I actually have been following a little bit mm-hmm. um, just because we did some stuff with him with my company. And that is Mr. Carlos Lopez Estrada, mm-hmm. who did a little film called Blind Spotting, oh, okay. Okay. an Oakland film. Uh, this film for me um, had to balance a lot of things, but it's 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 basically the heart of David Diggs and Rafael Casal, um, two homies from Hamilton, I believe. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, and yeah, and right. they wanted to do a movie about uh, gentrification of Oakland and basically how these new uh, tech companies coming into Oakland and kind of dividing up now this new rich area and kind of tearing down the older, poorer neighborhoods. Literally the definition of gentrification, which has been yeah. in the news quite a bit over this year. Yeah. Um, and this film to me, man, it, it it's a really, really fantastic feature film debut because this is his first feature film. Mm. It combines comedy with some serious notions. It's creative, it's different. It's It's got this outside world kind of reality, but still some, somewhat grounded in reality as well. It's really relevant as far as obviously taking over of the, of the neighborhoods and all that stuff, but also relevant when it comes to uh, p- political ideology and when it comes to uh, identity between uh, whites and blacks within the same neighborhood too. I mean, to me, the standout in this movie is still Rafael Casal is Miles. Mm. That to me, that guy was just... I, I truly believed. I don't know if you've seen Blind Spotting. I haven't seen it, no. I truly believed. It's basically two two homies. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard a little bit about it, but yeah. it's basically two homies, David Diggs and, and, and Rafael Cassell, mm-hmm. one white guy and one black guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both grew up in the same neighborhood. But it's basically the white guy who grew up in the black neighborhood, right? Yeah. So he's like very much like that. He's mm-hmm. super like, you can tell this guy grew up with <laughs> a lot of black homies. Right. Uh, and he sells it. He sells it 100%. And in real life, he's just this goofy white guy. But in the movie, I believe that he was a thug, like a yeah. real big white thug guy who could beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him convincing me that of that and him still being funny but also being somewhat intimidating as well, mm-hmm. fantastic debut for him as an actor. Obviously, he's done other stuff before. But he really stole the movie for me. And obviously, like I said before, the movie is part, part musical, part like in reality part art side of reality part comedy part drama it's really a combination of quite a lot of things Mm. no one saw this movie like it it, i saw it in the basically empty theater on its like second week in the in like opening Mm. and no one saw the movie but i really do feel like this is such a great feature film debut for carlos lopez estrada shout out to carlos lopez estrada mexican director slightly older than me 
living it up, man, yeah. making really, really, really solid movie. Hey, dope, man. I, yeah. I got to check that one out. I'm definitely add that to the list, bro. For sure. Um, number nine. Number nine. Number RB3. Nine, number nine for me. Uh, this one is a, an intense thriller that I, I really took a liking to on home video release. Uh, that's right. This is another uh, Amazon Prime watch okay. and an Amazon Prime original. Um, you Were Never Really There, uh, starring okay. Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Lynn Ramsey. <coughs> Follows Joaquin Phoenix's character, who's like this kind of like suicidal, like hitman guy who like who who gets paid to like beat up like child pedophilia motherfuckers, you know. <laughs> Um, that's my first F word. I really, I told myself I wasn't going to curse. Um, <laughs> I got on you last time. About it. <laughs> he did. You know, it's funny. My buddy, my buddy, uh, my buddy from high school, who, uh, he's, he never like watched the show yeah. before. Um, he, last week, the Adam McKay episodes, was our first episode, his first episode he ever watched. And he was like, bro, like, I, I like your podcast. I just didn't know you guys cursed on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> You're getting called out. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm going to dial back a little bit. Um, but this movie is, is warranted because, it, like, these dudes are sick. You know what I mean? And Joaquin Phoenix is is really going in and chopping off heads. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a brilliant thriller because... It's not about the violence that's being perpetrated, but it's about the violence within this guy's head because mm. you see how disturbed and twisted he is, but he's just a totally normal guy like on, on the exterior. But he, you know, he, he he's dealing with some very violent, like self self self-inducing like pain, you know what I mean? And 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 you see that very reflectively throughout the film. And I think the way that was handled was very brilliant. Like I said, like there's not there's not really any big like fight action scenes because right when you think you're going to see some action, then Ramsey cuts away from that and focuses instead on like the character moment within uh, within Walking Phoenix and Walking Phoenix puts on a great performance. I don't know why this hasn't been like a more like awards award talk. attention. Yeah, I believe he won an award for it. I forget what which it, like one. A, and the, it the, was a festival award. See, this is yeah, these for are, best actor. This is the kind of movie that's like going to do great. I like indie spirit awards. I'm sure mm. and stuff like that. But the Oscars should really take a look at this movie. Um, because this is one of the best performances I've seen of the year. It's Joaquin Phoenix, man. Yeah, one of the yeah. best working actors right now. Yeah, killed it. Uh, so this is definitely yeah my number nine. Number nine spot goes to uh, you were never really there. Nine. Speaking of number nine, you're my, never really here. I'm sorry, you're never really here. You're never really here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I still want to see it again. I, I I haven't seen this movie. Yeah, uh, I want to. I mean, when I first heard the premise, I was like, yeah, I want to see that movie. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix playing like a, a an assassin type guy. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I'm gonna see that. Dope. Uh, but yeah. Again, I have to take advantage of certain streaming services that I haven't had before. <laughs> hey man, I get, I hit you up with the I hit you up with the Amazon password, bro. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind, bro. Hey. I'm like, yo, I've never seen these shows. The Americans, I need to watch the Amer- <laughs> Mr. Robot. I'm gonna finally see Mr. Robot. Yeah, we got the meaning of Mr. Robot. Yeah, man. man. I yeah. haven't seen it because it's so hard to find on these sites. But now that I have Amazon, I was talking to my friends over the weekend, and, and again. It's the one streaming thing I don't have. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's on Amazon. Come on, man. And I'm like, I don't have Amazon. But now yeah. I do. Yeah, thanks to you. You got it, bro. You got it. <laughs> thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. I, I waited too long to see you. That's, that's my Christmas <laughs> gift, man. I mean, that's the <laughs> gift that I received from, hey. from you, man. And I, and I take that. Hey, man. Uh, my number nine is a movie that I had to put in my top ten. Because as much as people want to say, oh, it wasn't as good as the first one. Didn't live up to the hype. It's too overplayed, too overdone. I don't care. I liked it. I had fun. I enjoyed it. I felt moved, and and I was in this movie, and that is Creed Two, mm. Creed One, the Ryan Coogler Ryan Coogler version of the movie, mm. 
was my favorite movie of that year, which I believe was 2015. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, this is not my number one, but it is still in my top 10 because again, we both talked about it. It's still a solid sequel, man. It still has great performances by Michael B. Jordan. It still has a really well done story. It still has dramatic effect with what's going on within the ring, what's going on with out of the ring, what's going on with Tessa Thompson's character, how she feels in this relationship, what's going on with the Drago storyline, which we both thought was gonna be something kind of dumb when we first heard about yeah. it. But when we saw it in the movie, we both enjoyed like the Russian angle. Like how, yeah. what is his perspective? What does he feel like mm. going through this um, journey Knowing what his father has done, knowing what his mother has been a part of, and knowing that he's she's not been a part of his life. The Drago storyline really is what made, not made the movie for me, but it's really what made it a good movie for me. And what really mm -hmm. made it stand out to me was the whole Russian angle and the fact that he made uh, he made that compelling. I, I forget the director's name. Remind me of his name. Stephen Cable. Uh, Stephen, C Stephen Cable Jr. Cable. Stephen Cable Jr. Yeah. Um, Jr. The, the fact that he was able to make the Drago storyline actually emotionally compelling mm. was what really made this movie be like, yo, this is gonna be in my top 10. It still had so many great moments. The ending to me was fantastic yeah. with Rocky connecting with his son once again, something that has been kind of forgotten within these past Rocky movies, Creed, and um, with, with the past Creed movie. Um, and the fact that they brought it back and they brought it back in a really uh, well done kind of way, not just a rushed kind of silly way, but a very, well-purposed, well-done, well-placed way, to me, is what made this movie great. I love Creed 2. Yeah. It's, yeah, in my, it's nah. in my top 10, my number nine. Yeah, no, nah, that's dope, man. I didn't I didn't put it on my list. It could have been, it should have been honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was great. They, they Overall, they did a, a, a great job. Well, because with, with something as sacred as Creed, like, they could have really easily fucked that up. But mm -hmm. that's they didn't, so. Yeah. Yeah. Now to number eight. Number eight. RB3's number eight. Number eight. There's another uh, independent. There's a second A24 movie, I think. I don't know if actually maybe it's not A24. Uh, but there's a second or really third super indie movie that is on the list. And that is uh, First Reformed. Uh, with, uh, it is A24. Eight, that's A24. Yeah, it's the second yep. A24 movie after Hereditary. Also um, on Amazon. Also I, on Amazon. I also saw it on you Amazon. Saw, you saw it on Amazon. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, truly uh, great film, man. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. This is, this it, is, it almost made my top 10. Yeah. Just to spoil it, it's not in my top 10, it's but it almost 10. made my top 10. This is, see, this is, this is what, this is a movie I think of when I think of 2018, right? Like, mm. this is a movie about um, religious and, and reconsidering religion. This is a movie about climate change. This is a movie about the, the, how the, the fear of the world is matriculating its way inside of uh, humans and, and men and, what does that mean? Has religion influenced that fear? Um, what does it mean to be a sacrificial lamb? Like, it's all of these, like, really deep, powerful, potent questions that are just being asked, and it's all told through the perspective of Ethan Hawke's character and Amanda Seyfried and, uh, you know, uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Um, that's, so. <laughs> a great, that's a great role for him. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's so actually, good. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't he was doing good. some stupid shit. He was actually, yeah. like, acting. You know? I believed was he was, like, a pastor of, like, a mega church. Yeah, yeah. I no, totally definitely. believed it. I was like, yeah. yeah. As someone who's uh, grown up in church his entire life, me, mm. um, this movie really did touch some stuff inside of me. And I, yeah. I, I mean that personally because I was like, yeah, this is something that – I've always had conversations about, and I've talked to you a, a little bit, not not mm -hmm. a lot, about certain stuff within the church and certain stuff out of the church and certain stuff that becomes 
quote and quote politicized, mm-hmm. even though it's like even Hawk says in this movie, not mm-hmm. really political. Yeah, exactly. it's not really a, a subject matter that has two sides. It really shouldn't have two sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that even Ethan Hawk says in this movie that the church could be at the forefront, mm-hmm. but instead they go in the back and kind of play this whole like political angle of joining up with these companies mm-hmm. when when uh, that's never what the church was really meant for, mm-hmm. as far as like joining up with CEOs and companies and how the church kind of blends in with those two things and how Ethan Hawke is like, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. Mm. That's not what the Bible says at all. Like how, how we can misinterpret, um, uh, what is it, dominion over this earth, right? Mm. And how mm. uh, so many uh, people of faith really think dominion over this earth means let's take a giant dump on earth. And I'm like, mm, that's not what it means. Mm. It, it, you know, it means let's take responsibility. Just because we have dominion doesn't mean we shouldn't take responsibility of our actions on this planet. This is still God's earth. Yeah. This is so you know. This is still what He gave us. This is still His gift to us. Mm. Um, so to to me, that all that stuff was just similar to what Aronofsky has done in the past about yeah the exact same subject because Aronofsky yeah. has you know has a very religious yeah. perspective on uh, climate change and on, mm. on on what's happening to the planet. Mm. He feels like this is God's gift. And, and, and instead of embracing God's gift, we pervert it and we change it. And we feel like we can do whatever we want with it, even though it should be precious and we should hold it and we should, you know, make it dear to our hearts. I, all that stuff to me was great. Um, obviously, the ending is a little nutty for me. <laughs> the last shot. The last shot. Yeah. I think uh, the last shot is beautiful, man. It's great. It really yeah. is. But the, but the, there's certain moments where I'm like, yo, chill, man. Chill. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it really escalates. Chill, man. Like, it definitely escalates. <laughs> yeah. Like, the way it was I'm literally I'm like, oh, screaming shit. chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As he's putting certain stuff on himself. And I'm like, yo, chill. <laughs> but he's fucking, uh, I, I don't know. I also, I also like low-key, like, always have an affinity for when characters drink in movies. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> when the, the way this dude was drinking, <laughs> was yeah. a little out of control. Uh, he wasn't Bradley Cooper level in the stars. He was but, um, but If oh, he was, he would have gotten nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> he would have gotten nominated for an Oscar. Because uh, that's what it takes, that's man. That's what it takes. Just act super drunk. Ace, yeah. but I got, I got a proposition, man. Yeah. There's no bullshit. I, well, sometimes we say things, like, and we propose things. And we don't really yep. do them, but it's a real proposal, man. What? All right, so you know how *Stars is Born* *Stars Born* is a remake that's been a movie that's been remade four times. Like, what if we did a meaning of the st- *A Star Is Born*? The meaning of *A Star Is Born*, where we compare and contrast all four versions. Oh my god! Of of the movie, that's deep. Yeah, the that's... 19, the 30s version, the 50s version, the 70s version. Oh, I'm totally down. Today's version. Oh, you know absolutely. I mean? Especially because right, we have Oscars. we both follow music, yeah, and pop music and all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like our perspective would be very interesting for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it was it, the the first two were about movie stardom, not even music mm. stardom. And then the seventies one, that's when it became music, and then the most recent one, yeah. of course, country music. But yeah, we 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 gotta we, do it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, eight number eight, first reform. Number eight, first reform for me. It's a great uh, choice, man. Yeah, definitely. That, once again, almost made my top ten. Yeah. Uh my number eight is a movie that I saw last week, I believe. Mm. Or yeah, last week. And it's a movie that I really, really enjoyed. And I'm surprised it's not getting more award attention. It somewhat is, mm-hmm. it is for a certain actress. Uh, but as far as overall film, for me, this is one of my favorites of the year. Number eight, it's If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, okay. The Barry Jenkins follow-up to Moonlight. Um, yeah. I love this movie, man. I mean, right away, as soon as it opens up and you see uh, that uh, shot from above and you hear that score, that score, RB3. Yeah, score. My God, it's so Crazy. good. It's, it's probably my favorite score of the year mm-hmm. already. Just immediately it starts out. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to fall in love, too, mm. with whoever's here. <laughs> mm. But I, I love this movie, man. I love what, what 
the story brings. I love the uh, the narrator perspective of of her character. I forget her name. Um, Tish. Tish. There you go. Um, and I, I feel like right away I'm immediately connected to their love story. Right away I'm immediately connected to both of them. Um, it, this idea of growing up um, together and being in love together and falling in love together, which is such an interesting thing, right? Because she talks about like even as children, we didn't really know what you know what connection was as far as physical connection because we're just kids, you know, we're just playing. But that idea of how these two friends and kids growing up can fall in love together, and the idea of knowing someone, the idea of believing someone through through the thick and thin, through horrible situations and horrible scenarios, right? Because it's it's about the uh, alleged uh, rape of someone who we believe, who's getting falsely accused of it, right? Or we will be believed to be falsely accused. And to me, that's such a fascinating story because it's the idea of like, not my son, not my husband, not my friend. He's not going to do that. He would never do that. That's not possible. And also the idea of this time period and how it, how easy it was to frame anyone. Any police cop could just frame a guy just because he got in his face and he didn't like him. And it, yeah. it really has a lot to say about race, has a lot to say about uh, uh, um religious ideologies because there's that that scene with the mother yeah. and how she sees the the relationship as a sin and all this stuff as punishment and, and, and crime and how she justified um I forget his name Fani is it Fani? Um yeah Fani yeah Fani's mother and how she justified his sin as like oh he's rightfully being punished even though she doesn't she doesn't realize that th that's not the way to think of your son because mm -hmm. your son is being wrongfully accused and wrongfully punished. Mm -hmm. Don't think of this as justice. All the themes of the movie, it's beautiful. It's one of the best shot movies of the year. This is another one that I was talking about cinematography with my friends. Mm -hmm. This should be I, I, what I consider to be one of the best shot movies of the year. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Bill Street yeah. could talk. I have a lot to say about it later. Let, let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, you, later? Okay. Yeah, later. Five, five, yeah. Five. Number seven, RB3. What's your number, number seven? seven uh, so number seven for me is the, uh, for at least the return to the mainstream, uh, not really the return to the mainstream, but maybe the return to a lot of people, uh, for, for a lot of people, uh, Spike Lee's uh, Black Klansman. Whoa! Uh, that's, that, number that seven? Um, yeah, Jeez. I mean, was, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That was really good. That's good. Um, that's good. Uh yeah, this uh so okay, so I love this movie. You know I love this movie. Yeah. Um, I rewatched this one last night. Yeah, yeah. Using yeah. your account. Using, well, I bought it. I brought it on my I account. Know. Yeah, yeah. It's like you um, own this movie and I'm like, hell yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that shit again. Yeah, nah, I I nah this I think this is actually the only movie I brought this year, actually. Uh oh well Black Panther have on Blu-ray, but that was given to me. Uh, but yeah, this is the only movie I brought this year. Um, I love this movie. I'm infatuated with this movie. Uh, of course, I love Spike well, you Lee. You put it at number seven, though. Oh well, yeah, I mean, you know, I love Spike Lee, uh, and uh, this is a great addition to his filmography. It's not necessarily the best, um, but it's far from the worst. Uh, this is probably definitely one of his uh, top films. Um, you know, I do think there is some. You know, there's some. I. For me, to me, to me, what knocks this movie down a little bit in the pegs is, uh, you know, there, it's obviously based on a true story, and the based on a true story thing is a, you know, 
thing that a lot of Hollywood movies say. Uh, but this movie is is accurate, but it's not really all that accurate. Sure. <laughs> but is it's that really what got you off? Well, it you know I because he doesn't even say based on a, he says yo this is based on yeah, some, some real for shit, shit yo for <laughs> show, yeah. so I think but yeah I mean that's of course that's Spike Lee's way of saying like don't really take it that yeah. seriously. Um, but uh, I. I think the of course the very real hitting part at the end is very impactful. Um but I you know for me I don't know recently I've really started to think a lot about historical accuracy when it comes to movies mm. only in the sense that like what is the uh long-term responsibility? Yeah, uh you know or not just responsibility but the the you know a lot of times the movie becomes the text. Mm. You know, the, the, a lot of times people watch the movie and think this is reality mm. um where you know does that add a level of responsibility to that and you know a lot of people say well you know filmmaking is about storytelling it's not about history you know you're a storyteller not a historian but you know you almost think like well historians are storytellers too because they are retelling history just through a specific specific um, perspective and using evidence to justify that story sure. or whatever, to tell that story. Um, so if, more particularly, I watched the movie Death of Stalin. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that one. Um, and that movie like gets a lot of regard for his, his high historical accuracy. However, there is like one scene in that movie that they completely make, not completely make up, is based on a real thing. But there's a scene in the movie that after Stalin's death or whatever, there's like a big, I guess, they portray like a big like protest with like thousands of people getting shot and all this kind of shit, and uh, and that event, that kind of that type of event happened, but it was only like a hundred people. Where the movie way over blew it with like a thousand thousands of people, and it had some other things that were a little off historically, and that really got me thinking. Like, damn, if they show this in a history class, like a kid will really think this kind of huge massacre happened sure. under like Russian, you know, whatever. So it's like, oh, okay, that that definitely might matter to some extent. Um, so I think about this story and this story being so important and so like beautiful um, as like this black undercover agent going undercover for the KKK. It's like, okay, this is a great film, obviously. Uh, but the whole thing with the bomb threat at the end was kind of made up, which is fine. You know, it's a movie, so they have to, you know, yeah. hide the stakes and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, yeah, if, if somebody were to watch this sometime down the line, you know, that's, that's kind of that's a little exact. It, it it turns into the black exploitation thing that it, mm-hmm. they kind of mock early on in the movie. Sure. Um. So which is totally fine because I love black exploitation personally. Um. But in terms of like actual quality of the film, it's uh, everywhere else. It's like perfection almost. Yeah. You know. Um. And it's perfection if, in a way that Spike Lee's filmmaking is flawed, but it's still perfect in that is holy him as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this movie. And yeah, I mean, it gets a couple of points knocked off because of that, but otherwise, um, and I think Boost, you know, and also one last thing about it, Boost Riley kind of had like a criticism about it. Uh, he put out this whole essay where he talked about how it's like, basically, he didn't like Black Klansmen because he thought it was like pro-cop propaganda, essentially. Um, I agree with that a little bit, but also like strongly disagree with that because I think they show the police in pretty much in the exact same negative light for... Uh, you know, they show the neg- the negatives of being a police officer, of being a bl- black police officer in that station. Also, how police officers treated black people during that time, too. So mm-hmm. it does kind of show both sides. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I disagree with that completely. Just because yeah. I really, like you just said, it shows both sides. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's interesting that it's in your number seven. Yeah. Um, it's probably going to be higher for you, though, right? We'll, we'll see. see. Uh, <laughs> with the right white man, we can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
That's such a great line. Yeah, yeah. That's such a great line. Every performance in that movie is great. We do anything. Yeah. Oh, Topher Grace. Is it Topher Grace? Topher Grace. Oh, my God. Yeah, He's so good in that. Yeah. My number seven. Yeah. Uh, is a movie that I don't know where it's going to be in yours, but it's at my number seven. Okay. Uh, and it's a movie that, that really made a lot of waves this year, and mm-hmm. that is Black Panther. Oh, okay. Black wow. Panther okay. is my number seven movie of the year. This movie obviously started a freaking revelation. It's a revolution. Mm-hmm. The highest grossing movie domestically of the year. That, to me, is just a, an amazing stat already. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it turned... It, it elevated Ryan Coogler to like legendary status already. We talked about it on the Ryan mm. Coogler episode, how every film he's done has been a step up, 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 up. Mm. And as, as far as quality, every single film of his delivers quality 100% all the way through. And Black Panther is no different. Um, it starts out obviously with the character of Black Panther and the story of Wakanda because it's as much, Wakanda is as much a character as anyone else in the movie. It, mm. It's it's a character within itself. It talks about what it represents to have this idea of like this this African nation that is the most powerful, most rich nation on the planet. The responsibility that that um, uh, um, T'Challa mm. has to watch over his nation, but at the same time, the responsibility he has towards the rest of the world. It's a it's a, it's a very 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 relevant movie. You talked about relevancy at the beginning of this uh, yeah. episode. It's very relevant because it's literally about borders it's mm. literally about building walls and borders and tearing down walls and tearing down borders um which is what he talks about in the mid credit scene that's why it's the most relevant for me as far as yeah. that um and yeah i mean it, it made it 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 really showed giving a giant budget to the right talent and that is ryan coogler and giving him that type of budget to make a, a like i said before about james wan a true spectacle film but with a really great story, and and the fact that everyone talks about Killmonger, and he was great. Killmonger was was so was so good. But I just love his his uh, not just his confidence, but just his ideas of really righting the wrongs of the white man mm-hmm. throughout history. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if they missed it or if they're kind of ignoring it. RB three. Um, because I really feel like a lot of people are like, yo, he was cool. He had swag. And I'm like, yeah, but did you hear what he said? Yeah. I don't think you heard I mean, what he said. Yeah, I think saying. a lot of people <laughs> were like, yo, Killmonger was cool, man. He knew how to fight. That's what I'm saying. And yes, he shot exactly. a gun. He <laughs> shot people. And I'm like, yeah, but he just said, correcting the rights of the white man throughout history. He literally wants to arm all black people around mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. with giant ass weapons mm-hmm. to take down the white man. I that's mean, what, yo. <laughs> see, that's what, see, bro, that's what I've been saying this entire time when people we're like, oh, Black Panther doesn't deserve a Best Picture nom. Like, this is a that's a radical. That's like, radical. That's fucking insane. That's like, crazy. The, the, the fact that any of this movie, <laughs> like uh, the entire, the yeah. movie, like it's literally about a society that breaks in the Civil War because there's a radical who wants to kill all the white people. Like, he wants to kill all the white people. <laughs> that is insane. I don't think people like, heard yeah. that. Everyone was like, yo, he was cool, man. He yeah. knew how to... I'm like, did you just hear what he said? Yeah. <laughs> he wants to give like these giant ass like super beam weapons yeah. that take down like space dogs mm. in Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really though, yeah. <laughs> they're set, they're like literally can blow up buildings yeah. and he wants to give them to all the black people on the planet yeah. to like correct the wrongs. He wants to go after the white people. Yeah. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, that's wild. But uh, but I, seven, I really though? enjoyed this movie. Num- why, why number seven? Uh, I I just I mean everyone always talks about the third act, but yeah, I mean the third act is okay, man. And I really did feel like, as far as uh, uh, 
connecting right away towards the movie and connecting right away to T'Challa, it took me a hot minute, man, to be honest. That's why a lot of people connected more with Michael B. Jordan. Mm. Uh, a lot of people connected more with other side characters. But it took me a hot minute to connect with, with T'Challa. Um, and that's just on a personal level. And that's just me being honest. I feel like there, there's a few moments as far as like an emotional connection that felt a little bit flat for me mm -hmm. as far as other compared to other MCU movies that I hold in higher regard personally. That's yeah. why it's my number seven. Cool, man. I mean, I have some, some more words for it later on yeah. down the line. What's your number uh, six, man? My number six. Now, this one is, I do have to say there's a, this number because even though this is also another movie I saw on a streaming service, I do want to see this on the big screen, you know? Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I, I got to give all respect to my man, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, for my number six pick, which is Damn. Roma. Uh, you Ro liked it that much? Yeah, Damn. man. Roma was uh, crazy to me, man. Uh, this this definitely felt, you could feel that Alfonso Cuaron really put the time mm. and the attention to detail, and he really, this was a story that he was very passionate about. And it's, he almost like really, sub he, he, he completely subverts his normal style of like the subjective camera, you know, usual thing. He kind of puts the camera in a more objective kind of standpoint, you know, featuring very like panty pants. shots. So many pants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of dolly shots, like all those kind of like very static staccato shots. A lot of his filmmaking is very, you know, is usually the long takes in the terms of like handheld camera or yeah. in, the, in the case of gravity CGI camera. Uh, but this movie is all about the, the, like the, the 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 framing, the the composition is all very reminiscent of like some nostalgic place, like this memory that he's recreating on film. Um, and again, I only saw it on Netflix. And this is, and you know, I you know me, I'm the pro, biggest pro Netflix guy in the world. Uh, so I'm very happy to see his movie. Performing. Did you see his his conversation about? Yes, I did. And he's I, fucking, I was that guy. I was a reporter. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the guy asking him, like, yo, <laughs> you're destroying independent cinema, bro. That was me. Nah. But, he, but, but I have said that. I said yeah, that last year. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of agree. <laughs> you still agree with that guy? No, nah, I, I don't agree with it. I, I think his comeback was great. It was a true comeback. But yeah. I still feel like, yeah, this is still... I mean, time will tell what Netflix does to to film. No, I think there's this is Netflix has been doing nothing. Because I saw it in benefit. theaters. You saw it in theaters? Mm -hmm. You saw Roman theaters? I refuse to see them on t um at home and yeah, TV. Yeah, I mean, I normally wouldn't care as much about seeing in theaters, but, you know, I got to respect Alfonso Cuaron, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I know they're showing at the Egyptian in 70 millimeter mm -hmm. on Thursday. I wonder if they still have tickets. I don't know if they still have tickets. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely, I mean, it, it's, But you enjoyed the story. Because, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of, in this movie that I was, like, familiarized with mm -hmm. just because my dad was grew up in the city during that time period. Mm -hmm. um, El DF. Oh, okay, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. In Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why I was familiar with a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. um, but but I don't know. To me, it was more it was more of just, like, a fly-on-the-wall kind of film, simple. Yeah, it was a it slice didn't of really, life. Slice of life. Yeah. It didn't really hit me on a, on, a, on a... I mean, obviously, it hit me at the end. Yeah. That whole thing at the end was kind of... It was a tragedy, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I felt it personally. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I was like... Mm. It didn't. It didn't do it. Yeah, you know, it just didn't do it for me. Honestly, uh, a lot of the movies in 2018 don't really have strong endings. Don't really land as strong. Mm -hmm. Black Klansman had a strong ending, and uh, and uh, but First Reformed had a had a had a you know controversial ending. Uh, Hereditary had a pretty good ending, but a lot of these movies don't really have the neatest of endings sure. in 2018. But I feel like this one had a very beautiful ending. It did. Uh, it, it did. Even when they're at the beach and everything. Yeah, it um, ended strong to me. The 
but the rest of it was just whatever to me. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I see that, uh, but I also just think that it was just uh, brilliant. I, I just think it has. I mean, obviously, it's, we can talk about it now since it's not on my list. Mm. Uh, it, it just it was an it was an interesting perspective. I was talking to my friend about it after I saw it in theaters, about just the idea, man, of, of like the fact that there's always going to be a, a, a some sort some sort of dominion over people and I, that to me has always been something that's um kind of it's frustrating but that's the way it is too right i mean the fact that these people um the fact that the movie starts out and i'm ready to see a mexican film and it starts out and, and i hear th them speaking and i don't know what they're saying that to mm -hmm. me was so fascinating because i obviously i speak spanish mm -hmm. and i was ready to, to hear oh it's a movie it's an entire movie all in spanish no it's not there's a lot of this movie that's that's in that native tongue. I forget what it is, mm. um, because they're native and mm. they, they speak that language. And there's a lot of native people that live in Mexico and they have that that ideology and that live in those small towns and that are very 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 poor, like very poor. Mm. And you see that in the movie, and, yeah, and the, the class disparagement, the class exactly. And you see how it is the darker native people that end up still serving the the wider. European Mexicans that have more money and that are like doctors and businessmen and stuff like that, and that to me was 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 an interesting and point. Putting, it, putting in black and white too, that yeah, really uh, emphasize that exactly. And that was an interesting point in the movie that really stood out to me personally because I was like, "That's crazy that you can still have that s subtle discrimination based on skin color and language." Yeah, and that's why even that, if they're Mexicans, it's the, the irony, right? Yeah, and and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like all these movies are all dealing with something very relevant to today. Roma, mm -hmm. Black Klansman, First Reformed, and you were never really there. I mean, that movie is all about child pedophilia. We just saw the fucking R. Kelly documentary. Mm. Did you watch that? I haven't. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. That's some heartbreaking yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be heartbreaking. Never, you never want to listen to Ignition again, man. Yeah. Um, but, oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, no. That's crazy. Uh, but all of that shit, you, you see all these movies mm. have a very relevant theme. And so sure. is, and Roma has a very relevant thing of like, you know, class and how and how the wealthy versus the poor and how that relationship manifests itself. So all the, all the, all of it is just great. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed. I mean, the fact that Cuaron shot the movie himself. Yeah, it's just no, yeah, no DP. Right. As soon as he said shot by him mm -hmm. on the opening credits, I was like, really? <laughs> that's crazy, man! You shot that's, the movie uh, yourself. That's uh, that's that's what the uh, uh, my boy um, Paul Thomas Anderson did last year with uh, um, with Phantom Threat. Oh, that's right. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. There's no man. DP on that one. That's crazy. So my number six pick is another movie from a first-time director. It's a director I feel that really, really stood out as far as what this film delivered. I don't know if you've seen it, RB three, but it is Eighth Grade, mm. directed by Bo Burnham. That's my number five. So oh no this way! Perfect time to talk about. Perfect it. timing. Yeah, Let's yeah. do it, man. Hey, this movie broke my damn heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I said. Aww, in yeah. this movie. Like, yeah. I literally said, aww, mm -hmm. just because I felt really connected to this character. I felt I felt every every social battle that she was facing, because she yeah. was facing so many social anxieties, social battles, social identity, all this kind of stuff that she's facing in this time period. I believe it's like 13 years old? 13, yeah, 14? 13, yeah. 13, 13 to 14 years old, that transition between middle school and high school, mm -hmm. this this idea of what she's supposed to be, this idea of socially connecting to people. I related to this movie so much, even though I, I guess I'm not the target audience. I don't I shouldn't relate to this movie, but I did uh, yeah. just because I'm a very socially anxious person and I'm 
very, I'm not good in groups and group settings are not for me. Um, but obviously what she goes in this goes through in this movie is, is, is heartbreaking. It, it, it's, it's sad to watch, but at the same time, it's so realistic. It's one of the most realistic coming of age movies I've ever seen yeah. versus other coming of age movies that are a little bit, um, kind of floating slightly above ground mm. as far as the reality connection towards it. Mm. This one felt like, yo, this is real. Like someone just got a camera and was shooting this girl and was like following along her story. It broke my heart. It, it made me think a lot more about uh, identity and, 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 and social constructs of this age period. Mm. Um, and it really did its job as far yeah. as connecting with an audience. And that was me. I was the audience. Yeah, no. And uh, my biggest takeaway from this movie was the style. Um, the style of this movie was insane. Uh, I think particularly with the scene where she goes to the pool party and then um, she looks and she comes out of the house and she sees all the kids and it's like a horror movie with death score and everybody's like doing crazy shit and just, it, it puts you, it's subjectivity to its finest, you know what I mean? It really puts you inside the mind of the character. Um, it really puts you inside of what that character's feeling like and externalizes that. And I think that's really, that's really, to me, that's what I appreciate most in filmmaking. I think Bo Burdum, being a YouTuber, uh, managed to capture that in a really powerful cinematic way that is unique and original uh, and very postmodern, too. I also think to the scenes when she's looking on her phone and it's like the superimposed of, or she's looking, she's looking, she's like looking at stuff on her laptop or her phone or social media and it's like superimposed over her face like as she's reading it and it's like very visceral it's like right in there you know what I mean and that's how intimate a lot of people feel that's how the connection to the social media and the internet to young people it are you know the whole motif of her having a cracked phone screen and she's looking at the world through like this shattered uh the shattered lens and 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 it cuts her you know it literally cuts her thumb and she's like it's it's all like this big metaphor for you know, the effects of social media on people and the effects of the internet generation, today's generation. And they even kind of discussed that in the film, like how four years, four years between, you know, a four-year distance between, uh, this, you know, uh, uh, high schoolers and middle schoolers in this generation is, like, completely different now, you know? Like, and of course, and I, I even watched this movie and I think, like, damn, like, this, she's in eighth grade. She has to be, what, like, 13? Like, they're already talking about, like, sex and stuff. <laughs> Back in the 80s, like, they used to be, like, you have to be a senior in high school before you even touch on the, in, in the movie, at least. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't a kid in the 80s, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I really think about it. I was like, damn, was I at 13? It was probably for me, it was, like, 14, 15 when I started vibing those things. But, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, oh, like. yeah. That was sad. That yeah, was sad. That, to yeah. me, that was sad. And I think it was played off in, in a very, like. Mature like, way. But, yeah, like, it's like, I. She, it's like this overwhelming pressure, and you're yeah, like, Oh yeah. my god, she's feeling that at 13? Mm -hmm. God dang, like yeah. that's so sad, man. Yeah. Like, she feels all this pressure mm -hmm. to, to, to be active in a way that she's not even explored yet and that she mm -hmm. doesn't even want to explore yet. She just wants to chill and eat sandwiches with that homie at the end, yeah. Like, that's uh, I don't know, that's why I really like oh, the game, yeah. yeah the it's like, nuggets. man, I just want to chill and eat chicken nuggets, man. Yeah. Like, why does everything got to be hyper sexualizing? I, I don't know, man. I, I just yeah. felt so bad. I was like, my god, I feel awful, yeah. Poor, poor girl. And the fact that it's also like about a girl, too, a mm -hmm. little girl, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like a little dude. Mm -hmm. If it was like a little homie, it's like you feel bad. But if the fact that it was a little girl, your heart breaks a little more because you feel like that it's even more pressure, man. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult. And that's yeah. it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really felt connected to her and to that storyline and to her dad. Yeah. Dad was just like, 
trying her best, man. He's trying his best. Yeah, that that was the nicest character. Yeah, I feel like he uh, was dope. Yeah, no, I, all of the scenes, the music was was crazy in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, the score in this movie was was dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, not you know the very electronic uh, like kind of influence oh, yeah, stuff it was, was really good. nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that, was, I, that did stood out to me. Yeah. yeah, very made it feel like you know the the technology stuff. So. Uh, yeah, I really dug this movie. Yeah, man. Shout out to Boy Burnham. Um, That's my number five. It's your number six. My number five, number five is yeah. a movie that, for some reason, RB3 has been shrouded in controversy. And it's a movie that I was like, yo, that movie was dope. When I came out of the movie theater, I was like, yo, this movie's dope. It's going to be in one of my favorites for sure. One of my favorite movies of the year. It's my number five. And that is Green Book, RB3. Oh, okay. I haven't seen this I love Green Book. Green Book stars Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Um, it's a road trip movie. It's a road trip story. It's based on a real life musician. Um, I love this movie. I love how it talks about identity. I love how it talks about um, being outside of your time period because that's how Mahershala feels. He feels like he's not really within his own era. Um, he feels somewhat disconnected from either identity, whether it be black, whether it be white, whether it be what he's doing to entertain people and and the relationship he has with fans versus the relationship he has with them as friends is so interesting. It's so well done. It's so well written as far as how certain people in the South viewed black people in the 60s. I think it's the 60s. Um, and how they would view them as like, oh man, I love this. I love this song. I love this music. But when it comes to using their bathrooms, when it comes to using their stuff, when it comes to... Um, being personal with them, it's it's it, stay back, stay back, and it, it's that it's that racist uh, connection of being racist, and you're still a damn racist. But oh, I love the music though, or I love the basketball. You know, basketball is great. Just don't eat at my table. And it's like, wait a minute, you just said I'm. It's it's such a, a, a disconnection of the racism where they they're like, I'm not right. I just don't want you to eat at my. And it's like this weird time period of white people giving all this money and, and giving this value to black people when it comes to music, when it comes to entertainment, but not giving them the same respect and, and how the laws still discriminated against the top of the top. And that's who Mahershala Ali plays in this movie. He plays mm-hmm. the best musician on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he's entertaining all these rich white people, but these rich white people still step on him no matter what. And, it, and, it, and it's got such that relationship between Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali is great. It's 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 the it's the idea of of putting two people in a situation where they have to talk to each other, which is what they're doing in locked in the car. It's got funny moments, it's got sad moments, it's got heart touching moments. It ends on a really positive note, which I think a lot of people didn't like. I loved it, and and I put it as one of my favorite movies of the year. It's in my top five. I love Green Book, and to think that this is the guy who gave us like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. So I don't have much to say. Um, you know, I I think I think I guess a lot of criticism is just that it's uh, you know it's from you know a white white director right sure. writer. But there's uh, a ton of movies that come from white white writers and directors. I feel right, like, right, right. Am right. I wrong or no? No, nah, I think you're right. I mean, there, I think I think I think a lot of people just in this year in particular where we have so many great black movies are like, oh, we don't want to see this dude tell this story. You know, um, sure. Now I haven't seen it, so I don't really know. You know. I have to like watch it and evaluate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta check it out. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 funny. Um, <laughs> I really hope this doesn't. I mean, of course, I haven't seen it, so I don't want to hate. But if this movie ends up like winning 
awards like over Black Klansmen, then I think it's going to be like a little bit of a problem for me. Sure. Only because it's like this is driving Miss Daisy part two, you know? like That's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah, or especially if it wins. Because Spike Lee famously didn't get nominated for Best Picture for Do the Right Thing in 1989. That's right. The same year that Drive Miss Daisy won Best Picture. You That's know? right. So, like, the optics again were like Black yeah. Klansmen getting Spike Lee all this Oscar attention uh, 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 and Green Book going up against it. That's true. The only thing I can say is, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but give Mahershala Ali the Oscar. Mm. That guy's incredible. Yeah. That guy makes me cry over like five minutes in Moonlight, whether it's 20 minutes in this movie, like no matter what the guy does... He's so freaking good, man. And yeah. in this movie, he's sensational. Mm. He's so good in this movie. He does the right balance of of showing you uh, a, a little uh, layers to his character. Where yeah. when you first meet him, he's not a nice guy. Like he's you you immediately think that oh, Mahershala Ali is going to play the cool, fun black guy. No, not really. He's kind of just like kind of a dick to 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 everyone around him. Yeah. It's really that the the idea of. Uh, having layers to your character and being and feeling a little bit betrayed of of the America you live in and still wanting that connection towards it. He's so freaking good, man. Give give him the Oscar. I don't care what anyone says. He's so freaking good in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Give me Viggo Morrison Oscar saying the N word too in the, in the interview. <laughs> Just getting on. Hey, uh, man. He apologized. Yeah, he apologized. You know, he apologized right after he said it. So yes, yeah. you know, it's always funny. Uh, for me, my number four. Yeah, number four. Uh, you had. Um, alluded to it before. Okay. That's uh, Black Panther. Okay. That's my number four Number spot. four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number four. Uh, Ryan Coogler did an amazing job with this film. Yeah. Um, I think I give it, you know, I've seen it. It's no secret. I've seen this movie like seven times in theaters. Six times. Six times in theaters. Um, and like three times on home video. So it's about nine times in total. Um, this movie has definitely sat with me multiple, multiple times. And I yeah. still find enjoyment in it every single time that I watch it. Um, is it a perfect movie? No, but not by any means or any imagination. Um, the the CGI, you know, at the end is whatever. The, the rhinos is kind of kooky. Um, and, you know, them stealing this fight scene from Spider-Man 3 is a little nuts too. But it's okay because I think overall what this movie had to say, what this movie put on display, um, all of these great black actors, black uh, dark-skinned actors too, uh, representing a optimistic uh, future for for black people representing something that is not about suffering, not about poverty, not about slavery. But this is about uh, a, a, a utopian society that promotes like Afrofuturism. It has, it presents visuals that we've almost never seen before. Um, and it just does, and it just, it, it incorporates a lot of different facets of, of African culture and African lifestyle and kind of Merges them into this really kind of cool collective uh, action movie that that it you know it besides it just being a comic book movie it is wholeheartedly a story about uh, a nation a kingdom uh, and it's epic in that in that way too and it has that epic feel in it and it stays um, and it's grandiose like you could rename the movie Wakanda and it'll be the, the almost the same movie um, the warring of ideologies that we talked about before just all of that really says uh you know disney took a, a huge risk on doing this movie because if you if you're saying things that radical like what michael b jordan's character says in this movie or even the even the idea of even the final result of building schools and and educating people um outside of your country 
uh, that's, I mean, for a conservative-ass company like Disney, that's something to be applauded, right? Because, you know, like, you know, U.S. fights all of these wars in, like, other countries, but they don't even want to build schools or roads, you know, for said countries. they rather spend billions on on war. And that's how a lot of a lot of American societies function. Or not American societies, that's how a lot of global societies function in general. But this movie promotes something that's peaceful and optimistic. And, of course, it's Disney, so they're going to say something like that. But it, it finds a good compromise for the ideology that Michael B. Jordan's character represents, Killmonger represents, plus the uh, traditionalism. It, it, all of it is just great to me. Uh, definitely deserves best picture as well. Yeah. So you think it's going to win it? Uh, I don't know. It's probably Star is Born is going to win it. <laughs> uh, neither, uh, neither, ne- neither of which is on our t- uh, top ten. Is, is it on your top ten? No, 10? man. Not even make your top ten? No. <laughs> make your top ten? Jesus Christ. Um, Why is that movie getting so much love? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't particularly love it, but, you know. I mean, I'll, I thought it was fine, but damn, best movie of the year? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the direction it's looking at right now. Yeah. Um, also, I think it's funny. I don't know if it's funny, but uh, I haven't seen the favorite on your list yet. I wonder if it's anywhere in the top three. I mean, we haven't finished, bro. Oh, okay, we okay. haven't finished. All right, though. all right, all right. No, we'll eventually find out. But okay, um, have you seen the favorite? Yeah. Is it? In, can, no, I'm not oh. a fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the favorite thing. Because it's not in my top. <laughs> oh, really? It's uh, not. No. Yeah, okay. Did you right. not see my tweets? You got to follow my tweets, bro. Oh, man, I might have not seen it. My tweets, though. I only really check Twitter once a day now. I think the favorite is a, is a fantastic performance film. <laughs> as far as, like, Rachel Wise is a beast in that movie. Olivia Coleman is great in that movie. Nicholas Holt is awesome in that movie. Emma Stone is great. But the movie itself, to me... The first half of that movie, I was like, yo, this is great. The second half of that movie, where it basically is like, "Mm, let's not really go anywhere. And let's just kind of take the uh, make up your own mind kind of thing. And I don't know. It just feels like it just ends. Like it just doesn't have a conclusion. It doesn't have a – and I guess that's the point. But I I didn't care for it. I didn't care for the ending. Well, for me, it was was a little more than the ending. I, 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 I saw it. Usually when I see movies like that, I kind of got to meditate on it to, like, if I really – how I really feel about it, you know? Sure. Um, mostly because I thought the way the style was presented – like, they use those very short, short lenses. And they use the fisheye lenses yeah. for a lot of scenes, too. Fish, that threw me um, off so much. And there's – I mean, it's clearly a purpose to that. I just haven't been able to gather the purpose, per se, you know? Sure. And for something that's that specific and that stylized, like – I I I think yeah, and of course if 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 uh, the guy director um, Yorgos Latimos I don't, don't want to mispronounce Yorgos Latimos if he came in and explained to me why he made that choice I'd probably be like oh okay that makes sense but yeah. the text didn't really provide that sure. for me so it felt like the style was almost separate than the substance mm-hmm. it had great performances and it had the period piece I, maybe that's maybe that's it man maybe too like maybe you don't I'm like just, period pieces period right? pieces just ain't I really love my period thing pieces. man like, period <laughs> pieces are my thing I love them I love the crown I love British shows I love British dramas oh but you know what I've been stuff. watching man I've been watching Sherlock bro Sherlock oh, have Sherlock. you seen Sherlock mm-hmm. on BBC oh man Sherlock's like the coldest motherfucker in the streets mm-hmm. man cold man you gotta Sherlock. watch the crown bro nah, I, I don't know about this. Sherlock is a modern show it's not not a period piece. Yeah. It's a modern show, but it's British though. So, <laughs> but that dude be talking, man. He be like, he be solving them cases. Like, yeah. he be like, talk shit. Yeah, just talking shit. He'll it's talk. Better he's to come around. Bash. 
Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, he's not he's not Doctor Strange anymore. Me, he's he's Sherlock for now, forever. I, uh, about thirteen episodes of that movie, uh, that show. Yeah, Th- really thirteen movies because each episode is two hours. It is, yeah. Uh, um, I feel like I feel like the favorite is is, I, I, for me, it's a performance movie, and I'm not going to take anything away from any performance in that movie just because yeah, I thought nah. the movie was okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it not just bad okay movie. It's not bad. It was okay. It's not bad. Yeah. 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 It's just it didn't it didn't live up to what I think a lot of people are letting it live up to. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, my number four movie of the year is a movie that I saw towards the end of the year and it had a lot of hype behind it, RB3, lots and lots of hype behind this movie. And I, I loved it, man. And I really feel like that's the nerd in me talking, but I love this movie and that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's perfect. That's my my, number three. That's your number three? Yeah. That's my number four. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Representing Miles Morales. Latino Spider-Man. What's up? Hey, man. (laughs) Represent. Black Spider-Man, too. (laughs) I know. Hey, man. I know. Both, man. Both sides of the aisle. Yeah, man. It's both. Uh, that's what I was like. Whoa, black or Latino? Both, homie. Hey, both. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I love this movie, man. I, I felt like this movie was the perfect. If we're gonna talk about like comic book movies and stuff later on, as far as me goes, but the perfect culmination of comic book movies for Spider-Man, this is the one. This mm. is this is it's perfect timing as far as Spider-Man movies. It, it, it's, it's it's the perfect story for Spider-Man movies. It's the perfect message for Spider-Man movies. To me. This put Spider-Man. No, I'm, I'm gonna take it back. This reminded people what that Spider-Man is like, one of the world's best superheroes, and why he's one of the world's best superheroes, and what he represents, and what he can do, and the identity that Spider-Man has isn't just the identity of Peter Parker. Even though Peter Parker is the goat, he's the legend number one. Shout out to Peter Parker. You know, he's the MJ. But at the same time. People like Miles Morales can be can be something else and can still have the same ideology, the same representation, the same uh, message that Peter Parker brings to his character. Miles Morales can do the same thing and do it differently and still be great and still be awesome. That to me is one of the coolest, coolest, most well done superhero messages of a character that everyone knows, and that's Spider-Man. And and being such a massive Spider-Man fan, not just the movies but the comics and the animated series and everything growing up as a Spider-Man fan, this movie to me was like, literally at the end of the movie, I was like, yo, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> mm. That's what I said to myself because I was like, yo, that's dope. That's such a dope message. The idea of like, I can take up this mantle and represent strength, power, responsibility, uh, standing up to what's right, standing up for what's right, standing, uh, uh, pushing down what's evil, like all that kind of stuff, all those messages that you hear in all these MCU movies and that you hear in all these DC movies, it was done almost better than any of those in this movie. I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, no, uh, Spider-Verse is, yeah, like everything you said Mm. uh, and more. I think that uh, for, you're right, I mean, especially for this point in the Spider-Man franchise where we already had three live-action reboots, uh, what other story can you tell besides the Miles Morales story? And and more particularly, what story can encompass, what, what story can you tell that isn't the same old dragged out Spider-Man tale that we've been familiar with this entire time. And I think the the idea of it being anybody in a mask is like a self-reflective thing upon the past Spider-Man films too because we've seen three different Peter Parkers obviously and they've all connected with audiences in one way or another, but it it encourages that there's more than just these 
uh, three pasty white guys. It's more mm -hmm. than just uh, you could be you could be whoever. You could be a, a girl. You could be a, an anime character. You could be a, a pig. Uh, you could be a noir from a character from nineteen thirties, which is by the way my favorite character in the movie, uh, Noir Spider. Yeah, he's pretty great. Uh, Peter Porker is a close number too, though. Uh, but I, I think that all of them, all of all of all of what this movie represents. Uh, from the representation of diversity to the hip hop that they represent, just from the old school hip hop to the you know to the fashion that he wears, the mm -hmm. Jordans to the uh, graffiti, you know a lot of people don't understand that hip hop. One, the, you know, there's four foundations of hip hop: the 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 MC, the rapping, the 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 DJing, the graffiti, and the dance. You know, and this movie kind of encompasses a lot of a lot of those elements in, in different mm -hmm. ways. Um, so it really is a strong hip-hop piece as well, but it's also a strong uh, character piece. It's a strong comic book piece. It opens with the whole, like, comic book authority, like, stamp thing at, oh, at the beginning. Right, yeah. So it, 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 it's a very much an homage to the form of Spider-Man, uh, to the form of comic books and, and the self-reflectiveness of comic books and the representation of comic books in today. Yeah. Like, and how it, the, the mythology of comic books have become so ingrained in our culture that it's, like, this is a world that imagines those myths being real. Yeah. Same way that Logan Logan did that in 2017 as well. Mm. Put the put the mirror back to the comic books and really. But this is the first comic book movie that really looks aesthetically adapts the comic book style, uh, and it adapts the comic book style while also being um, not beholden to any sort of particular like one thing. You know, yeah, uh, it's a wholly original thing in and of itself. I love that man, and, and and that's something that I said at the end of the movie too, and I forgot about that, but it's. It's it's one of the first comic book hip hop movies, mm -hmm. probably ever. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to count a little bit of Black Panther too, because it mm -hmm. did have a little bit of that hip hop sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, it had a little bit of the traditional African sound as well. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, this is like the first. It's the first modern comic book movie, as far as like bringing in modern elements of music, uh, of 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 vibe, of style, of of being in high school and what high school sounds like nowadays. Mm -hmm. Isn't you know the nineties. Uh, Nickelback, it, it yeah. isn't, or it, isn't it, isn't some uh, some like Shaq, you know, uh, Shaq Diesel. What was it? Uh, uh, still and still, when they had the little nineties bullshit hip hop in that shit. Which one? And still with, oh, with Shaq. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this one felt like yo, that's that's high school now. You know, mm -hmm. this is school where you're playing hip hop, you're saying hi to your homies. Like that first fifteen minutes of the movie, I was like, yo, this is this is now. It's like now. It's the most modern comic book movie in that sense that it feels like. They're not playing like Nickelback in high school. It's like yo, we don't play that stuff anymore. Like yeah. that's way old. Um, that to me is is one of the biggest things because for me there is still, and I'm telling you, RB3, as someone who's worked behind the scenes, and I'm sure you've seen a little bit of it, not mm -hmm. a lot, uh, not I, I, maybe you have, I don't know. Uh, there's still this weird kind of like resistance towards hip hop mm -hmm. when it comes to movies and and people behind the scenes and making movies and stuff. They still hip hop is music. Like I I still hear that from people I know, man. Mm -hmm. People I work with, they're like, oh, come on, that's not a real song. It's just beats on a keyboard. And it's like people still have that mentality. And it's it's kind of like you're you don't realize how outdated you are. How hip hop has grown so much more than what it was before. So it's the most mainstream type of music, man. Yeah. Like it really is. Like as much as people don't, it's the number one genre. It the is world. the number one genre. As much yeah. as people have resistance towards it, and as much as people want to have, like, you know, take me back to the old school hip hop. Take me back to Nas. Take me back to, yeah. and it's like that's cool, and I respect that. But hip hop is mainstream, man. Yeah. You know, you got to get out of your head about like playing like the the 
old school '90s rock songs. It's not. That's not. That's not that's comic not book movies right anymore. Now, yeah. Comic book movies are now hip hop. What do you like, think? It's had, mainstream. What do you think had the better soundtrack, Black Panther or Spider-Man? You know what's funny? I was listening to both on the way here, man. <laughs> I can't lie, Black Panther. Yeah, Black, Black Panther, Panther definitely man. does have the best I, soundtrack. Just, just King's Dead alone is yeah. enough for me. Hey. Yeah. Just that is enough for me to be like, yo, Black Panther deserves the Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give him the Oscar. King's dead. This definitely is nominated for album of the year, man. So we might yeah. see that happen. Yeah. Um But yeah, man. I mean, I love this movie. I love what it represents. As a Spider-Man fan, again, the idea of like I, I'm I'm rewatching my Hero Academia back from season one. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've seen my Hero Academia yet, mm. but the idea of All Might representing uh, All Might being like the Superman of this time period of, of My Hero Academia and, and Superman representing not just uh, um, being, a, being a badass and being strong and liberty and justice and freedom and all this stuff, but the idea of, of, of not just being a symbol, but that symbol reaching other people to the point of like uh, ideology. That to me is like, yo, Spider-Man can represent ideology, like straight up philosophy. That to me is just deep. The fact that People can be inspired by by this one comic book character that encapsulates so many different uh, notions and beliefs. That to me is so powerful. I was like, "Yo, Spider Man is that big!" And obviously, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, Miguel O'Hara, bro, twenty ninety nine. Uh, let's the, go, the <laughs> let's yeah. go, man. Yeah, that's funny. Latino Spider Man again <laughs> at the end of the movie. I was like, "Yo!" And then obviously, all the twists in this movie is what kill me the most, man. The, the, the fact that this movie does a separate universe movie with a different type of scorpion, a, 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 a weird Puerto Rican scorpion, a, a, a female yeah. Dr. Octopus. Yeah, Doc Ock was, was it? Doc Ock yeah. was sick. Yeah. I was like, this is dope, man. You know, She's like a creepy, weird scientist with like bungee arms. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever yeah. seen. And I think that's a completely original thing for yeah. this movie, too. And, you know, it's fascinating. They take all the kind of weird, quirky elements of the Spider-Man mythology with, like, mm -hmm. the Aunt May being, like, the secret spy mm -hmm. and, like, all these, like, weird, weird corners of Spider-Man lore and really adapts it in a really fun way, almost in a way that only animation could fully achieve. Yep. Uh, and I like that it feels like a wholly animated film. This is a technique. I think they're even trying to patent the technique for this movie, but this mm. is the most gorgeous animation I've ever seen for an anime film, yeah, no doubt. so well The way Spider-Man, the way the eyes are animated, the way, you know, when Spider-Man is in the mask and everything, too. Um, perfect. And uh, um, um, also, I also think that, uh, before I forget this thought, um, and I'm losing the thought right now, so that's, <laughs> that's fucking stupid. I'm trying to give, um, give it back to you. Let me give it, give it back to me. Give me those, give me those thoughts. Professor Ace. X. Uh, no, I, I, I also think that... Uh, and this, and this encompassing of all of this different uh, Spider-Man iconography and uh, all of this uh, unique uh, visual imagery, at the end of the day, is still a story about a black, it's a black coming of age story, mm. too. And I think that's uh, just as vital for people to see as well. Uh, yeah. And I think that th that is really a, a really good um, African-American centric coming of age film for kids to see. Is really impactful and important. So, yeah, um, I think it's great. So, you know, and it's funny, man. It's yeah, a it's, funny it's, movie. It's hilarious. Yeah, the Peter Parker stuff, the Spider Man. Um, the fact that that character is a, a spider that was bitten by a radioactive pig. Yeah, uh, that he says in the movie. Um, and uh, and by the way, I I love the film. It's really only the second best Spider Man adaptation to me, though, behind me the PS4. I'm with you. 
Uh, well, I was talking oh. about just for this year. Oh, I was talking about Spider Man Two. Oh yeah, Spider Man Two is my my number one as that's well. My number one. Yeah. Uh, that's never gonna move. Uh, but the Spider Man PS4 game though. Yeah. Now, that's that's the shit. Right. That's the shit. That's that's number one for me. Um, let's go to my number three because mm. that was your number three. That was my number three. Yeah. That was my number four. My number three. Speaking of comic book movies, man, I'll put it at number three. Could have been my number two. Could have been my number one. Avengers Infinity well, oh, War man. is my number three oh, movie of the year. Now, Speaking of, of, now of comic book movies, <laughs> I said on Twitter it's the it's one of the best pure comic book movies I've ever seen. It's a culmination of of fandom, and and I get it. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if you're not a fan, you won't, I don't care. I'm a fan. This is my top ten, homie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm putting it at number three because I feel like it's the it's the perfect season finale. It's it's a culmination of all these MCU movies and the Russo brothers taking all these characters and the 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 difficulty of balancing all these personalities and characters and story arcs and movies and responsibilities that you have towards the characters and to represent them in a certain way that audiences already have a connection to. And the fact that the Rooster Brothers accomplished that and so much more by giving us a story, by giving us already iconic fandom with Thanos, that Thanos broke into the mainstream in a way that I haven't seen a villain do since probably the Dark Knight. The Joker was the last time that we've seen so many Thanos. Like Thanos has become like a meme within himself because of how big he got. But to me, what makes this movie work so well is the fact that it has so many different storylines and all of them have a, a, a conclusion, have a connection, and and it feels like a perfect season finale where where it builds something up, it teases something at the end, and then it leaves you hanging and leaving you for more. Infinity War is a true spectacle film. It's a true fun film. And if you're an MCU fan like I am, it's a fantastic, one of the best movies of the year. Infen- Avengers Infinity War. Mr. RB3. <laughs> um, I don't really know what to say here, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I disagree. You got to get mean, off that hate train, bro. I'm not hating, You got to jump off that hate train. You know what's funny? I, uh, I'm going to Spider-Man your web, and I'm going to stop that hate train. Uh, no. I'm going to jump in front of it. No, no, please no. <laughs> um, I actually, so I, before, I never really listened to our shows back. Uh, mm. I never really do that. Uh, but I did, the one time I did was listening to our Avengers All Infinity the way. War. Yeah, back. I haven't. Um, I haven't done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say it. I I was being harsh, but yeah. I think also I 100% agree with what I said back then. <laughs> my same exact criticisms that I have now with this with the movie. It's just in the fact that like it's not it it is it's, it's not conventional cinema. It's just not. You know, it's not. I don't like think a, it's ever meant to be though. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't I think just, it was ever meant to. I just be, want to. Con- I just want a conventional movie. That's all, Ace. Yeah, um, man, but that's not what it is. The <laughs> MCU has passed that like ten years ago. Not really though, because I feel like there's right, other five movies. years ago. Well, I know. I just I even, Avengers 2012. No, even even Black Panther is a totally standalone movie. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's still just a standalone again piece. piece uh, but piece. Avengers isn't Avengers Age of Ultron isn't either. No, I say Avengers. Avengers Civil War. I mean, no, Civil War isn't either. Civil War. So you don't think Civil War is a conventional movie? Like in terms of like a conventional structure, no, beginning, middle, end. I think end? it's a conventional movie, but I think you miss a lot if you haven't seen any of the MCU movies before. Yeah, but you're you going to be scratching also, your head. And you're going to be like, "What's going on? Yeah, I don't know what's going on?" But then there's it's also the same thing. But there's what well, I'm saying in a conventional movie, not just like context for the movie, but sure. character development. You know, like there's an actual full arc to every single one of these movies. There's a full arc. In the story, there's a full arc and character. This movie 
doesn't have any of that, you know. So I think it, um, I think I think that's where we disagree because I think it does. I think it does have character arc, and I think it does have specifically with Thor, specifically with Iron Man. Those are the two characters that have an arc in the movie. I mean, it's an arc, but it's not the arc. You know, like it's not like an ending. Talk about Noah's Ark, man. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's not, an, there's not, a, there's not a resolution. There's not a fully. And what we do get of a rev, of of somewhat of a resolution is. Like for for Thor's for for me at least with Thor's storyline, it's like yeah we see him we see we see almost like a regressive storyline of him. Before his whole thing was like you're Thor you, you could be Thor without the hammer and now he's like oh I need a big weapon. So it's like he regresses a little bit, but then when he, even when he does ultimately end up getting what he needs to restore his you know his 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 ego get his pride back. Um, it ultimately just ends up falling flat anyway. So. Well, I mean, that's, that's that's a lot of movies, man. You can name a lot of movies that, that characters have an arc and they end up falling flat. Yeah. That's life, man. Life, but sometimes th- you fall flat. That's true. I mean, that's very true. <laughs> but it also, it's like there wasn't enough else there developed around this character for me to like really I think there get, was. That's you know, just me. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just me too. With Thor or well, with, with Iron the, Man? I'll say with Thor. I mean, Thor definitely had the most, yeah. you know. Um, but even with Iron Man, I didn't feel like it went anywhere with, I think, with, I just, for me, it's like, okay, like, I, I and I don't want to hate on this movie anymore because I actually think it's a pretty good movie now. Um, I, but it's not in your top 10. It's not my top 10. No, mm. it's not a top 10 movie. Uh, but in terms of like superhero movies, it's my number three um, of the year. Um, so I, I think that, uh, but I just, I just think ho- holistically speaking, at least like, sure. It, like all of the, all of the, the three separate story arcs had a similar structure and a similar dramatic question. Like, oh, we have to, it's like, oh, you have to kill something you love or somebody that you love. Sure. Oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, it doesn't matter because Thanos is going to go back and reverse it. You know, for me, at least seeing that three times got got a little tiresome for me. Sure. But, you know, I digress. Like, That's yeah, fine. It's not It's not a conventional piece of sin. But I will, I, will, I will applaud it for being as unconventional as it is and still being a cohesive movie because this could have easily been a, a bad it could have been a yeah. really bad movie yeah. um and they did for this story they did the best version of this story they could have done yeah um and i appreciate that i like it yeah i i, I love it it's i think it's am, i think it's amazing and i i really do feel like it's it's the perfect Again, season finale, culmination, whatever. I'm a big TV fan, and I and I love stories where you feel like, oh no, like I said about Supernatural on our episode. I talked about Supernatural. Game of Thrones has a lot of these moments where you feel like, oh no, all hope is lost. Everyone's dead. Yeah, and it, and it happened. Everyone dies. Um, that's Game of Thrones for you, and and I love it because it it leaves you like, yo, I feel connected to these characters, and that's that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing that Hollywood misses the most when it comes to building characters is characters that. The MCU has done this. They've 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 made a television out of movies by by connecting you to characters and character moments throughout different films. And I think that's so fascinating. And that's the number one thing that anime does with an anime, an anime series. And that's why, in my opinion, that's why a lot of Hollywood movies can't get anime right, is because it's not necessarily about the cool world. It's about the connection you have to these characters and building more and more deeper relationships with the audience. And that's what this movie did. It, it, it builds it up all the way from the beginning all the way towards the end. And I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, what is your number two movie of the year? My number two, uh, we have exited the League of Superhero Movies because yep. I had two superhero that movies. That concludes it. Uh, yeah, I had two in a row. You had two in a row as well. I had well. two in a row. Uh, wow, you liked Infinity War more than Black Panther I and did. Spider-Verse? I did. I did. Okay. All right, fair I enough. Did, I don't want to disrespect your list. Yeah. Uh, for me... Uh, 
this this is the end of the superhero segment for me, but it's not the end of the black segment for me oh. because uh, this is another uh, black led, black directed really? film that I'm putting number two uh, as my number two, and that is Widows. That's right, Widows. Widows. Directed by Steve McQueen. What? Uh, starring uh, Viola Davis, Liam what? Neeson. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm shocked. Yeah, no, Widows. Colored is, me shocked, Widows, man. Widows is Widows is. I uh, thought you were gonna say another movie. Nah, man, Widows is there, man, and you know. Widows, Widows to me, see, it's almost the flip for me of, of the Avengers thing, right? Like, for me, like, I almost, like, I almost prefer if a movie's going to be conventional in its story, but in its execution, it goes, you know, it goes balls to the wall, you know? Sure. Um, for me, that's this movie. This movie is a pretty paint-by-numbers heist movie, to say the least. Mm. Um, but the execution of it, the, the, the style that Steve McQueen br- brings to this. The performances that he brings out of it, the, the character work that's done with each one of these characters, um, and and um, the acting. I mean, I just I really can't stop thinking about um, what, what's the homie's name? Brian Tyler Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. Bri- Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, amazing. Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. He's the best part of the movie. Uh, every, everybody in this movie, uh, and the way that it addresses all these different social issues. In a kind of a sneaky way. I mean, it talks a, a little bit about police brutality. It talks a lot about sex work. It talks a lot about all of these different, like, politics. Really, politics. Left cleaning oh, politics. Oh, definitely politics, 100%. The corruption of politics, how the, the Colin Farrell character is a politician who Isn't tries. Is he a to, Democrat, too? I mean, yeah, he, he, he wants to represent. He, 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 he claims to be, you know, he, 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 he puts out a political front that he's. For the people and he's mm-hmm. all that, but behind closed door, he's like the most racist fucking person you're ever gonna meet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he had, and then but his he hosts this whole program for like minority women workers. Like what yeah. what's happening here? It's all about that facade, that political facade that people put on. Um, and I think all of that, and even even with the Brian Tyler Henry character, he's a politi- he's a political figure who uh, is running, uh, but he's also running this whole criminal organization shit too, and that's. Really, the honestly, probably the reality for a lot of these uh, politicians too, uh, at least on the local level and even on the national level too. So it's all of that. It's, it, it encompasses so much. Uh, and like I said, it, this is all. All these movies that are on this list are all relevant to sure. what's happening today. And Widows definitely had some some really strong relevance. Widows is interesting, man. I mean, I talked to another homie over the weekend who had Widows at like number three, mm. and I was like, really? I said the same thing to to him that I'm saying to you because. Mm. I don't know. I really do feel like it It did touch on all those topics. I, I just don't think it balanced it well. I, I feel like it kind of went, whoa, and it kind of just fell over with all these plates in their hand. Um, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. A lot of the storylines didn't work. Colin Farrell storyline didn't work for me. The Liam Neeson twist. I was like, eh, it's oh, fine. Thanks for spoiling it, Ace. People um, know it's a twist now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just said Liam Neeson twist. Yeah. Everyone knows he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just felt like that was kind of whatever, the ending of what, what concluded with Viola Davis uh, and her character was whatever. To me, what stood out was just Daniel Kaluuya being a badass in this movie and just chewing up the scenery in every scene. The scene where, where the camera's rotated and he's asking mm. him to rap more, Yeah, that was the best part of the movie. Yeah, I was well, like, that's sick. That's well, sick. When it's rotating, it's rotating, and he's getting more and more intense as he's rapping harder and harder. I was like, no, that's sick. That's a, that's a dope scene. Well, even well, even that scene when um, when Colin Farrell's driving back from his like speech. Oh, or that's a great with, with the like cameras the, on the car. on the car. Yeah, 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 amazing. 
there's a lot of see that's what like for me it's like I don't for me it's like yeah all, all you're saying is it is a little sloppy it does yeah. have a lot of like loose threads also the time jumps don't work for me at all those time jumps that they didn't mean? throw you off what do you mean the, 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 the 2008 and then it jumps back to the San time when his son was around and then it jumps uh, back to the no, I, I got was, that oh, I, I, I didn't like it at all I was like what's going on why so um, many time jumps now I yeah for, oh, for me I thought that that stuff worked really well for me mm. like what what where it lacks in in content and in, and 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 in, where it lacks in content and in story it more than makes for up for in form and style mm. and direction. Wow. Uh, so all that stuff for me uh, makes That's crazy. Makes number two, Widows. Two. Shout out to Steve McQueen, man. Yeah, Steve McQueen, He's still my a guy. Great director. Yes, sir. Um, oh yeah, it's my turn. My yeah. number two. I was gonna ask you what your number one is, but yeah, go for your number two, bro. My number two is a movie that you already mentioned, man, and uh-huh. I put it in my number two because I love this movie. I I sat in the theater and I really didn't know what to expect coming from this director, um, and I was like, ah, it, it'll probably be. I thought it was gonna be over the top. I thought it was gonna be so goofy, and I was like, oh, it's probably gonna be all right. Um, and it wasn't. It was. It was. It was uh, the perfect balance between slight humor and slight over the top moments. But it's still a grounded story, and that is Black Klansman. Oh, okay. I put oh, it in number my number two, two man. Oh, okay. I love this movie. I That's really did come out of the theater feeling connected to the story, feeling, uh, feeling a connection towards John David Washington's character, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Stallworth. Uh, I, I love the goofy moments of this movie. I love the serious moments of this movie. I love how f- in your face this movie is because it's very in your face. And I forgot mm-hmm. how in your face it was till I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how it really is showing you the deep levels of racism that people have mm-hmm. and, and how the KKK has been an influence towards so many people that they don't even realize it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the whole political angle that this movie starts to tackle with David Duke mm-hmm. and how the the, the political... Uh, Spike Lee is not shy about showing you how relevant this movie is and how relevant this story is about how yeah. so many different things about politics and about white identity and white representation and all this stuff that people start to say nowadays have been saying since back in the day and it's the same kkk ideology it's the same shit now and people are like no it's different it's not it's i swear it's not it's just it's just having pride in your white race and blah and it's like all this bullshit that that people are spewing out now is are 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 have been spewing out since way back in the day and i think that's the biggest connection that spike lee was trying to say in the movie and i felt it i was immediately taken in taken into it with the whole uh, David Duke trying to get into mainstream angle with the KKK being a hyper racist, hyper violent uh, organization. Um, the the connection that, that Adam Driver's character was going through and, and that the the undercover angle of going a little bit too deep and saying all these horrible, awful things that Adam Driver says in the movie and, 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 and the ending of Adam Driver uh, just just because I rewatched this movie last mm-hmm. night, as I said before, and and when he has that connection towards David Duke, and David Duke says to him, "Hey, are you a non-Jew, proud white American?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "No, no, no. I want you to say it." And he, Adam Driver's eyes kind of shake a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh yeah, he feels that a little bit." Where yeah. he's like, "Yo, this is this is some dark ass shit. Mm-hmm. Like the KKK is some dark ass shit." Mm-hmm. The whole movie, I really connected to. 
um, I forget her name. I think she's great. The girl who plays um, uh, Ron Sarworth's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I forget her name too. Patrice is the character's name. but There you go. Um, yeah. I think she's great. I think that whole connection that they have. I think the relationship worked because I was really kind of concerned with that. I was like, oh, really? The whole undercover cop falls in love. This was me during the movie. And I was like, oh, that worked. I felt completely original unique when they're talking about the black exploitation films that scene yeah really that, that's, did it for those, me those are scenes that i love i was like man this is great man yeah. um i love this movie man i think it has a lot to say and i think it says it well and i think it has that perfect balance between showing you some really dark stuff but at the same time because that scene when they're intercutting between birth of a nation and the story that mm -hmm. the guy's telling mm -hmm. um that's one of the most powerful scenes this whole year yeah 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 no absolutely uh and it's very relevant, like I said, very relevant, and uh, and particularly with the the birth of a nation thing. I mean, that's the yeah. movie that that we scene have to, is again one of the best scenes of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really tells it tells the true story of of the kid being hung out, you know, in in that town, and is so graphic and, and and everything too. And I think by comparing and contrasting how there how how there how. Black pride ideology is rooted in and legitimacy. How it's rooted in the actual oppression that Black people have faced over these over the over, over the years. How 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 uh, violence and and discrimination has plagued uh, the African American race, the Black race for so long. Um, comparing that to the the KKK ceremony where they're being inducted for literally, you know, uh, you know, and 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 for the this like Foss Hollow like. Christianity thing that they're doing, like throwing the water on them, and you know, acting like there's some sort of sanctity behind the Ku Klux Klan when it's really not, and it just goes to show like how evil and despicable that organization is, and what the the pro black people during that time was was kind of was trying to go for, and a lot of times people will criminalize you know like the Black Panther organization, Black Panther Party, and all these different uh, movements that are happening during that time, but it was, and they even say, you know, even say that in the film, like the guy in the beginning. Uh, even though we were supposed to think that the white police chief guy is like the super progressive guy, in the beginning he's like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Black Panthers are the most uh, terrible or the biggest threat to uh, American safety or whatever, uh, or biggest American threat, uh, which was an actual thing that was being pressed during that time. But as this movie highlights, the KKK is a much more deadly terroristic type of organization. And of course, you know, like I said, the historical accuracy throws off the, the yeah. thing but for me but but that's where that's where that's where that is not that's where the benefits of not adhering, adhering to historical accuracy is a benefit because it shows how terroristic the KKK really was even though that particular bomb didn't go off in that particular instance of the story it is a very real and common thing for the KKK to do bombings mm -hmm. on houses on schools on cars all that kind of stuff. So that's why in churches. So that's why. So that's why, you know. Even though I, I, I kind of did a little bit of points for that. It's very powerful that that whole thing and that whole sequence, and it really adds to the stakes to make it really personal. So. Yeah, and and I love how again I I feel like everything that Spike Lee and do is doing in this movie is very. It's not sh it's not subtle. It's not shy. It's very much in your face as far as what he's trying to say as far as the relevancy of this story to now how right. everything reflects back to 2018 2018 2018 mm -hmm. even the whole idea of felix's wife being just as racist and as disgusting as he is mm -hmm. this idea of of the, the of the 
I, I don't know the word to use, but but the idea of like this the 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 progressive white wife who's just just wants what's right in life, and she's very pro she's progressive and she's nice and she's not racist. At, no, white women are just as racist too, man. I mean, the idea that that the the women are much more like peaceful and 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 less racist than the than the crazy white men who are very no. It's like no, the, the idea that white women are still responsible for a lot of atrocities too and a lot of ideologies that they possess are just as bad as their husband's ideologies and they believe the same shit too and they're just as racist and they're just as despicable and 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 they have to stop being so we have to stop being so like you know putting our hand mittens when it comes to that you know and and i love how spike lee doesn't give a shit he's like no look she was committing the terrorist act and she's just as responsible as his husband is mm -hmm. I, I don't know to me that's very much on, on purpose and to me that's very yeah. important because I, I feel like a lot of people ignore that nowadays. Well, I mean, that, I mean, a little bit unrelated, but that, I mean, that brings me back to something I saw today where, uh, like, they, like, I guess it was MSNBC or one of those uh, news agencies. They're doing this whole story of, like, oh, look at this. The top, the top three heads of the top three companies in the military industrial complex are all women. Like, I'm like, wait, wait. Are you telling me that I'm supposed to think it's progressive that a woman is bombing kids in, 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 in Yemen and shit like that? Like, am I really supposed to? Is that going to make the difference for me? Like, what the fuck? That's the most non. Who can? Who, you know what I mean? So it's, I know like what that. you mean. One hundred. Yeah. <laughs> There's this weird thing that the media has. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> uh, uh, that they, I don't know, man. I, I'll talk to you about it later. But I, I, Atlanta talks about it. Let's just say that yeah. <laughs> the idea of, of of white girls just being like the most. Never mind. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Um, either way, Black Klansman is my second favorite movie of the year. Yeah, and I was dope. I love it. I would have. There's so many great lines in this movie that. too. Like the the the. You're telling me that America is going to vote for a white racist man yeah. in the White Office? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The America yeah. First is hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I think the, I think the shit with the. Uh, I think there's some. There's actually some really funny lines when. Uh, they're talking about like oh like all the black famous people, which is a, actually a conversation that happens in almost every Spike Lee, not almost every Spike Lee movie, but it's a common conversation in every Spike Lee movie. You're like, oh, who's your favorite black athlete? Who's your favorite oh, black yeah. like, politician? And they're just like OJ. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best part. You're yeah. right. He's like, you know who the real best is? Yeah. OJ. Yeah. And he's like OJ. Yeah, and they're going crazy over it. <laughs> Oh, I, I I don't know, man. I I, I think it's great, and mm -hmm. obviously my favorite is with the with the right white man, we can do anything. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the best line in the movie. Yeah, uh, it's a great movie, man. And mm -hmm. I love how, like you said before, it, it it shows both sides of of the of the of the police department too. Yeah. It has a very realistic perspective as far as what um, the time period was. Yeah. Even Adam Driver's character, even even the other cops character, I forget his name. Yeah, the guy who plays the goofy Jimmy, guy. Jimmy, I think. Um, yeah, the, yeah, who's the the goofy guy? Who yeah. it felt very real. It felt like yeah, that's that's the kind of guy I would see in Adam Driver is the kind of guy I would see in a, in a, in a police detective mm. place or whatever. Mm. It felt real. To yeah. Me. Uh, what is your number one movie of 2018? RB3. I'm uh, ready. I'm ready because I don't know what it is. Well, number one movie Ace. I'm is, ready to be is, shocked. Is a movie I just saw today. What? A movie I just saw. And it's your number one. I gotta cry to number one, man. I watched this movie. And I was like, okay. Maybe this is the number one I've been what? waiting for this year, you know? What is it? Uh, it's the movie tick I'm holding right now. Uh -oh. Sharika could talk. Really? Ladies and gentlemen. That Barry is your Jenkins. number one. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I put it in my top ten. One. I love this movie, RB3. Yeah. Tell me about it. 
Um, Tell me I, why it's your number one. Um, I just think this movie overall is, for one, is unbelievably, unbelievably beautiful. Mm. Um, just from a cinema perspective, like mm. the way that the, the the cinematography, the light. There's there are moments in this movie that I was watching. And I'm sitting and there's two people talking, and uh, at point it, I just stopped realizing I wasn't hearing the actual words they were saying. I'm just looking at the images. I'm looking. I'm like, damn, like. The lighting, the the composition, like it's so beautiful. It's like every the color, every the color, every single image out of this movie is like a, a expressionist painting or or the, you know some fine artwork that you'll see hanging up in like a, a, a Pan African museum. You know, uh, every single frame of this movie. So for me, it's like wow, like just from the 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 style, the form of it, from the very minimum is already like compelling. It's already the most engaging thing I've watched this year. But then we get to the story of it too, right? The story of, you know, based on the James Baldwin, uh, you know, book, um, this this movie feels like James Baldwin encompassed, you know? It has that very black Americana Poetic. text, the, po- the, poet, the poeticism, the dialogue is very realistic, but very very uh, romantic as well. like, And I don't mean like romantic and like a love sense of romantic, but very colorful, very flowery, but also realistic at the same time. It, it tuggles that very like fine line. You're right. The, the structure of the movie is wholly poetic. Like it, it has breaks. It has, you know, stoppages. It has those moments where they're addressing the social issue at hand. I love those. I love every single one of those scenes where they cut away and they're like, and they, they explain some shit. Like they're like, this police officer is racist, and this this and this reason, or this, you know, like the way the way the narrator explains those moments are yeah. just all beautiful. The editing in this movie, beautiful. Uh, the 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 characters. I mean, I felt like I could realistically see every single one of these people. Mm. Uh, just everything about this movie was just absolute uh, perfection for me. Almost like yeah. I, I just, I just, I I really can, I really. I really think this is the number one movie of the year for me. That's great, man. I mean, I feel like a lot of attention is given to Regina King, mm-hmm. um, but I really feel like the two leads, man, they really drive this movie, especially yeah. her. I forget her name. Yeah, I, I'm um, not 100% sure on the actress. But she's name. great, the, the girl who plays the the pregnant... Um, mm-hmm. uh, the character's name is Tish. Tish, the, the pregnant yeah. girl who 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 has um, her boyfriend mm-hmm. in jail, um, fiancé, whatever, whatever it is, um, She's great, man. She's mm. a great name writer. You feel the connection. His storyline, too, I love, especially towards the end, you get a little bit more of Fani, mm. and you get a little bit more of a connection towards him and how he feels, his his idea towards life, his his uh, his conversation with Brian Tyree Henry's character mm. um, and how, how he feels and what, what his realization of this world is in this time period in this country um, is so fascinating. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, but I got to talk about... One of my favorite parts of this movie that I didn't talk about on, on when I talked about it is is all the freaking and I know it's I guess it's not really spoilers kind of spoilers all the cameos in this movie man mm-hmm. all them Latinos popping out uh, <laughs> <laughs> like out of nowhere when Fani is like yo Pedrito my homie my brother and he starts Dude, speaking Spanish who's, who's and it's uh, Diego Luna oh really I Diego Luna, Luna comes no, out and I'm like that. yo that's Diego Luna and uh, he's like what's up homie and he starts dancing with him and stuff yeah. and I'm like that's cool yeah and then when uh. 
when freaking Regina King goes to Puerto is like, Rico. No, when he, she goes to the to the neighborhood, the Puerto Rican neighborhood, and she needs well, to. She meet goes to Puerto Rico. She does, but I'm yeah. saying like before that. Oh, okay. And then homie comes out and he's smoking a cigarette, and she's like, he's like, "What you need?" And it pans, and it's like freaking Pedro Pascal, man. Yeah, yeah, Oprah I caught that Martel. one. I caught that one. Uh, all the cameos in this Day, movie. Dave Franco. Dave Franco <laughs> out of nowhere. He's like, you just see a freaking yamaka. Then turns around, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey guys, what's up?" And it's like, yeah. <laughs> all the cameos in this movie were like. An Adam Sandler movie type cameos. Yeah. They were just so funny and so fun to see. And I feel like Barry Jenkins had fun doing that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I it, loved it. You know, it's nice that they, that wasn't in the marketing because if you put that in the trailer, people are going to be disappointed because it's literally all those characters are just there for one scene. Yeah. But, and it's um, it's perfect in the movie. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. Yeah. I loved all the, the, the freaking Diego Luna uh, Pedro Pascal, I yeah. love Dave Franco. Like all the cameos were cool, man. Well, I, I love the shru- the structure of this movie because it's not like it's it's not like a fully linear structure. It's more episodic. You mm. know, it's like we're gonna spend this this twenty minutes with this storyline, and we're gonna spend this twenty minutes with this storyline, and twenty minutes with this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then in between, they have those like like I said, those breaks that like where the narrator is like saying stuff that the words that she's saying is so beautiful. The voice that she's saying it in is so beautiful, and then the visuals on screen are just like yeah. topping it all off. So for me, like this, I mean, of course, it's like an art film. It is a lot of a, it is very much an art film, but it's also equally as much as a as a commercially viable. I feel like this movie could really take off it if it had the right kind of like push and and, and everything too. One hundred. You like know what? This, I, 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 I was gonna say this in my tweet. Mm. Annapurna should be putting more push behind this movie, man. Yeah. They they should be pushing this one more than Vice, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I no, like this 100%. one more than Vice. I was yeah. like, yo, why isn't Annapurna talking about if Bill Street could talk more than because Vice for me is like they're. I feel like they're putting all their money behind Vice, whereas like they should be putting more money behind if Bill Street, man, because yeah. this one is great. Right. I think it's the best Annapurna movie of the year for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, I heard some maybe not some great things about Megan Ellison, but you know, I don't know if that those things are true. Oh, between her, her, uh, she's the one over. Annapurna, she's the one right? over Annapurna. Yeah. yeah. Or she's been slacking a little bit lately. But yeah. I don't know if those are true. Megan Ellison, if you're listening to this, don't 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 take that. I don't think she is. Yeah. <laughs> Megan Ellison, I love. I love Bill Street, so don't 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 get insulted. By the yeah. way, Brad Pitt is uh, the Plan B. Plan B was yeah. also one of the things on this too. But I also did Moonlight. So yeah, uh, Barry Jenkins. I feel like I, I almost like this one more than Moonlight. Honestly, uh, I I definitely like this one more than Moonlight. But yeah. that's because I didn't really care for Moonlight. I thought it was yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I, I love. I really do love this movie. But damn, man, number one, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it really man. is. I mean, the score killed me. The score. I told you I last mean, yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. That score. I, as soon as it started, I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminded me of too, man. And I, I'm gonna, oh my god, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, RB3. Mm. But it really felt like, um, oh man, you're gonna kill me. It really felt like an anime movie, like mm. an anime romantic movie with the narrator, uh, with the storyline, with the music being in the background, with the shots, with the colors. Um, it really felt like this was like a Your Name type movie, where, I mean, obviously, Your Name has a little bit of a different sci fi angle towards it. Um, uh, and a little bit more comedy, but it felt like those those uh, quiet moments where the score is hitting, mm-hmm. and you just have a shot on her and a shot on him, mm-hmm. and then a shot on her and then a shot, and, and it just stays like that for like a good two to three minutes. Yeah. Um, that felt very animated to me. The the narrator felt very animated to me. Just the whole thing felt like a romantic anime movie uh, that is very much. Uh, 
presenting a story to you in a very colorful type of way, in a, in a very, like you said, romantic type of way with the colors, with the music, with the story, with the setting. Everything felt very purposeful. Yeah. I don't know. And to me, I love it, too, because, um, of course, like I've, I've studied African-American literature mm. and stuff and read a lot of James Baldwin's books, uh, you know, throughout my freshman and sophomore years of college. And uh, this feels I mean, I haven't read the particular book that this is based on. But this feels like a James Baldwin adaptation and the jazziness of it, the, the jazziness of the music, but also the tone, the poeticism. It all feels just like something right out of uh, a James. Like I'm reading James Baldwin and, and, and this is the visual representation of it. Um, and I almost feel like, man, I almost wish like if there is any way that Barry Jenkins could du- direct all, all <laughs> James Baldwin adaptations from now on, please do. I, I really hope that yeah. could, we can work some sort of deal out here. Uh but yeah, no, one hundred percent. And uh, and uh, one last thing about this movie, I think that the whole message that it has about—well, not message, but it shows you the downsides of incarceration and the effects that incarceration has on families, and how that, and how, and how, and how the prison system has been systematically rigged against black people for so long. Um, cool. Let's end with my number one number movie one. of the year. Uh, <laughs> you already know what it is. I've been saying this for the, since I saw the movie. Um, over the past few years since I've been doing this top 10 list, I always pick the movie. My number one movie is always a movie that um, pushes me emotionally, that grabs me and shakes me more than any other movie. And this is the movie that did that, that, did that this year. And that is Hereditary. Oh, Hereditary is wow. my number one movie of the year. Yeah. It is a movie that shook me the most. It is a movie that disturbed me the most. It horrified me. It killed me. It hurt me. Uh, and if that was the point of the movie, then my God, did it accomplish it. <laughs> this movie is uh, incredibly directed by Ari Aster. Um, it's powerful. It's mysterious. Um, as I said before, it's horrifying in a sense, not necessarily of imagery, of scary imagery. There is a little bit of scary imagery in this movie, but not as much as other horror movies. It's horrifying in the sense, like you said, in a much more psychological sense, mm-hmm. in a much more familial sense, because I think the family angle is something that a lot of movies have done in the past, mm-hmm. but, but but the fact that it, it just amplifies everything times 10 by making it 10 times more personal, 10 times more in your face, 10 times more horrifying when you think about a, a son, a daughter, a child, a mother, those relationships that people hold so dear to their hearts and that everyone essentially has to have a connection towards, that's what is tackled in this movie and it's done so well because it pushes the envelope of what those relationships can be and how horrifying they can be. Yeah. Um, it's Obviously, it's a horror movie and it has that connection towards the movie. I, I really do think from start to finish, this movie is perfect. It, 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 it's beautifully shot. The score is already freaking you out and nothing has happened yet. The no, atmosphere the score is dope. dope. The atmosphere is built up so well and it builds up in a sense where you're on the edge of your seat and nothing is happening. Like I was talking to my friend about it where they're they're having a conversation in the car or, or they're they're talking in um, in, in the kitchen table, nothing is happening and you're freaking the freak out because you're like, what's going to happen? Because you don't know what's going to happen because everything is shrouded in mystery. And the way that Ari Aster unveils that mystery is so well done. The conclusion is a climactic, is the perfect climactic finish of this horrifying story, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the way it reveals information to you 
is so well done. This theater experience for me was insane. I was on the edge of my seat. I was freaking out. I was almost at the point of screaming at the theater, at the screen, uh, because I, I, once again, I've been through, I've told you a million times and I've said it on this podcast. I've said it in other things. Don't mess with demons, bro. Mm. <laughs> demons are the one thing where you're like, nah, man, I, I don't want to mess with that shit. Uh, and sure enough, they mess with that shit in this movie. And, and it does so in a way that feels so realistic, so grounded uh, that you feel like it could actually happen to you in the sense um, this movie is, is, is a true, beautiful movie and it destroyed me and horrified me more than any other movie. And that's why it's my number one movie of the year. Hey man, can you disagree with that? Yeah, man. I mean, you recently saw it, so yeah. you can finally, you know, sit inside the pain that I've been feeling for months now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, horror movies are a little tough because even, even with Hereditary, I wasn't like it was not like the traditional, like scare, scare. You it know isn't. what I mean? No. Like, yeah. Uh, so, but I think that movie did a really good job of unnerving you in a, in a completely different yeah. way. So, uh, yeah. And even uh, much respect to the dude, uh, Alex Wolf, right? Yes. Uh, he was so good in that movie, man. Yeah. For obviously, his... Tony Collette's getting a lot of attention, deservedly oh, yeah, so. Yeah, Tony Collette, yeah, obviously. But too, him, yeah. he is he, so he, good. Yeah, he was like quietly good, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no. The the scene, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, but what. There's a lot of moments in this movie, but there's a yeah. moment when, dude, when he starts breaking down, mm. I'm like, oh my God, yes. Mm. <laughs> that's exactly how I would break down, man. Because I felt, so, that's the thing. I, I was talking to my brother about it. It feels so realistic. Like people's reaction in this movie feel like how they would actually react. Yeah. Uh, Tony Collette's reaction to tragedy, let's just say that, mm. in this movie, mm. murdered me. Mm. It killed me. I don't know about you, but yeah. it, it made me feel like, <sighs> like, yeah. Oh my god! It, my, my like stomach was sinking uh, when Alex Wolf was freaking bawling his eyes out, and he's like, ah! and I'm like, ah! Well, even <laughs> me too, man. I, I'm gonna cry too, and I'm watching this movie. Well, even even in that moment that you're talking about with her, she has that moment, and the camera pans over, and yeah. it goes to him, and it goes to him, and he almost has like an equally tragic. Oh, way. dude, <laughs> it's kind of so look, you know? it's such a oh man, it, yeah. it's 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 about like. When you realize that the, the the demons you're facing in life are actual demons that you're facing in home, mm. I mean that's so deep on so many levels. The fact that uh, uh, relationships you have with your children are now becoming relationships you have with your enemy, ah, that's so deep too. I mean, mm. speaking of Alex Wolf and Tony Collette uh, mm. towards the end of the movie, because you feel like they're going back and forth, and you're like. Oh, this is just, it makes you feel awful inside because you feel both sides. Mm -hmm. You feel Alex Wolf and you feel Tony Collette. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know, man. It, it's one of the most powerful movies I've seen in a while. And once again, every year I pick movies that are like horror movies. I'm not a big horror movie guy. I mean, I picked Get Out last year. Uh, Nocturnal Animals was one of my favorites of that year of 2016. It was my favorite movie. That's another horrifying movie. Uh, Prisoners, Nightcrawler, like all these movies that I pick are movies that make me feel like shit. Mm. But that's essentially what the director's going for. And man, did he nail it. Yeah. I think he killed it. And I, I think he should be getting a lot more attention. This movie killed me. Yeah. Kill me. Um, either way, guys, finally we conclude our top 10 movies of 2018. Yeah. Let us know in the comments down below what is your list, what is do, your favorite. I do want to point out a quick observation. Your, your list, you had number two, you had number five as Green Book and number four as Spider-Verse. Both movies with Mahershala Ali Both in Both movies with Mahershala Ali, uh, that's right. My, my list, funny enough, has number one, uh, number one, Bell Street, number two, 
uh, Widows in number three. Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry's Spider Verse too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So funny, funny connection. Yeah, man. Hey, yeah. He's, he's a guy of good year, man. Yeah, I'm sorry for having black five black well, movies on why my list. Why you gotta list. apologize? Um, well, I know the fucking white I had people. A, I, I had a few. Them. I had a Green Book, Blind Spotted, Feel Street Could Talk, Creed yeah. Two. Black Clansman, yeah, Spider Man, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the movies that it's just good movies, movies, man. That we, that it we doesn't love. matter. Uh, five black directors. Well, I can believe it. A full, a full top ten list with five black directors. Yeah, you can really make a top. 10 I had list a Latino director in there too, man. Yeah, the Latino director. I yeah. had Lynn Ramsey, woman director. Uh, there you go. Yeah, there's. I mean, hey, good times for representation. There you go, yeah. man. Either way, guys, let us know in the comments down below what is your top ten list. Hopefully, you enjoyed ours. What do you think of our list? Uh, what is your favorite of out of our list? What is your personal favorite of the year let us know all that in the comments down below please support first cut it's yes. new beginnings new times hashtag support the homies support the homies let's spread it throughout the internets yeah. throughout film twitter we are here film twitter and we're here to stay film twitter uh for the meaning of podcast ima's this is rb3 and we are peacing out peace out guys <laughs>